This episode is sponsored by Fantasy Flight Games. Episode 35 of the Board Game Geek Podcast, where we geek out about board games, the mechanisms behind them, and the people who create them. I'm your host, Candace Harris, and I am super pumped to be here today with game designer Tricky Reiner, or or maybe it's pronounced <laughs> Table Reiner? <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's actually Taylor Reiner from Taylor's yeah. Trick Taking Table, which is an awesome YouTube channel dedicated to trick taking, climbing, shedding games, and other card games. How's it going today, Taylor? <laughs> it's good. Yes, it is. It is me, not one of my many uh, personas. <laughs> but thank you so much for having me. This is going to be so much fun. Yeah, I always love like. Ever since I'm, I don't remember when I first met you, it might've been in Portland at PGC con last year, but we met online. We talk, we talk online and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I've been a a fan of your YouTube channel for a while. I don't remember how it popped on my radar, but I love trick taking games and you know, you are like the main like content (laughs) creator that's like really covering these kind of games. So it's really awesome. Cheers. Yeah. Actually through. BGG was kind of how I started. Like I love seeing videos for games and trick-taking games didn't have many videos. You know, it seems to be a genre that not was an obscurity, but didn't have much coverage. And so I was like, let's just make videos as much as I can for trick-taking games. Heck yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. (laughs) And, and didn't you just go to the Tokyo game market in in December, the last one? How was that? It was, Oh, it was so, so, so amazing. So Tokyo game market, is it happens twice a year in Tokyo <laughs> in the name and <laughs> surprise they, they have, yeah surprise <laughs> that'd be great if it was in crypto or something but they <laughs> uh, they have all these wonderful new fresh ideas and just because Japan loves you know kind of smaller form games and and sure. trick taking you know usually just cards <laughs> it kind of yeah. lends itself well to having a ton of trick taking games there yeah and a lot of the ones i think we're going to be talking about are from the recent fall tokyo game market (laughs) so it was it was so much fun i had a booth there i matched up with uh another japanese designer and we uh got to meet so many other wonderful japanese designers that would come up to the booth and say hi and and get the game and there was it's such a lovely back and forth it seems like all the designers who are in trick-taking voraciously love seeing other trick-taking designs it's such like uh ah, yeah it's like welcoming a welcoming community like, like encouraging yeah. and supportive a hundred percent and that's awesome it, it might be something to the genre where it's so quick that you can play so many uh, in a night that they also have game yeah. nights where they're showing each other let's play hand of mine play hand of yours and so there's there's a lovely community of 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 seeing each other's ideas and it's kind of like a slam like a poetry slam <laughs> where you're like let's play <laughs> Chicken <laughs> slam. Chicken yeah. slam. Yes, exactly. So it was just and you, and you had that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I really want to go at some point. Um, but you yes. had your game short zoot suit was there, right? Cheers. Yes, yes. I had short zoot suit, and that one was art by the lovely Sai, who who does so much 
in the Japanese art realm. Yes. Like I was walking around with her once and I think she said like a quarter of the games had her art one year. <laughs> That's amazing. Cool. So she, she's like the Ian O'Cool or of the trick taking uh, you know, world. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and in fact, actually, Ian O'Toole was one of the people highlighted at the con at Tokyo Game Market. Did like speeches awesome. and stuff. And he came up oh, and so he. Cool. Yeah. I, it, it was a funny story. I didn't know what he looked like. I hadn't seen, like, I've seen his art a ton, but I didn't know what he looked mm-hmm, like. Mm-hmm. He came up to the booth to get some of my games. I was like, hey, like, nice to meet you. Like, well, what's your name? He's like, oh, I have a reservation. What's your name? And he's like, Ian O'Toole. But he wrote it in Japanese. <laughs> so when I was looking it up, I was like, what is it? Oh. He's like, it's Ian O'Toole, like in Hiragana. So I was like, oh my gosh, oh, it's Ian wow. O'Toole. that's so that's so cool awesome 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 so taylor and i just recently returned from a gaming event that was mostly focused on trick-taking games and i'll say trick-taking style games you know climbing shedders all sorts of different card games and i recently realized that all trick-taking style games are not created equally when it comes to complexity So today, we're going to discuss complexity and trick-taking games, and we're going to talk about some of the most interesting and awesome games that we played at this retreat. So Taylor, I I ran into a situation a few months ago where I was like still like last year, I got introduced to RoboTrick. And for those who don't know, I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before, but in case you're not familiar, don't recall, this is a three-player trick-taking game where a three-player only game, where your fourth player is a robot, an AI opponent, and there's this deck of these programming cards that tell you how this robot Droko plays. And this is a game where you only want to win three tricks each hand, because the minute you go over, you start taking cards and they're going to be negative points. And if the robot wins a trick, they're negative points. So it's this like really fun and can be punishing game. And I love it. And I, I, I'm, I'm like, this is such a clever, awesome design. I love it, love it, love it, even when I'm like awful at it. And <laughs> I was excited to play it. And I had some friends coming over and we had three people. So I'm like, oh, let's play this game, Robo Trick, you know, because I'm all hype about it. And after they played it, they were a little um, not as excited about it as I was. <laughs> and I realized because like sometimes when you say to people like, hey, we're going to play a trick taking game. You know, you the assumption is it's going to be something light, you know, a fun little yeah. light card game. And this one mm-hmm. is definitely thinkier. So, yeah. yeah, so so I I have now been like thinking about that more <laughs> yes, and totally. trying to like know my audience and like not just throw any trick taking game at right. them. Right. Yeah, and I know you play so many, so I'm like you're a good person to talk to about yeah. this stuff. Oh, totally. Because I will also like, the, like even the term trick taking, it can mean so many different things to so many different people. I know people who have grown up with their grandparents or parents playing bridge, right? And that's probably one of the more complex trick taking games, you know? Yeah. It had yeah. So many which books I've written on played, it. But yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's something to where I'll, I'll say, do you want to play a trick taking game to someone? And if they're familiar with the bridge, they're like, oh, I don't want to play. It's too complex. Um, mm. or someone who isn't familiar with trick taking, they'll look at the box size and you know how generally box size might have a correlation to game length, game complexity, the, yeah, rules, yeah, yeah, the weight of, of the game. And so sometimes the, the fact that they're just cards is, is a deceiving, you know, it's like a small package, how much could be in this. And sometimes you're like, oh, there's a lot of bidding and a lot of 
guessing what's going to happen when you don't really know what's going to happen. So yeah, I'm 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 yeah. definitely familiar with with that and <laughs> kind of what players bounce off of <laughs> in terms of rules or complexity or <laughs> exceptions is something that I'm yeah aware of. Yeah, super familiar with. Yeah, yeah. So like I I was also thinking of it in terms of music. Like I know I like a lot of out there music. I like a lot of like progressive music and. You know, I remember, like, I feel like when I when I said let's play Robo Trick, I was like putting on this heavy prog rock album, and they were looking for radio friendly <laughs> pop or something. Yes. And like, I, I remember this this game night I went to play with the um, the people uh, at Tom's Game Brain game night, and mm. I was like, oh, I love this drummer Nate Wood from Kneebody. And, you know, anybody's this fusion band, like probably a little progressive <laughs> musically, yeah, but totally. the drummer has, he's, he's like an alien, this wizard drummer who plays every instrument. I shouldn't just call him a drummer. He's, he's yeah. a, like, he can play all these instruments and he recorded this album where he plays all of the instruments. He even has live, live uh, videos where he's playing bass keys and drums at the same time, you know, live oh. playing these songs. And I was like, oh, I was just listening to his album, uh, which I think is called Four. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I put on a track. I had them put on a track at game night. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is this is great. These drum beats are awesome. Right. And then yes. like one of the guys there was just like, oh, like, I can't I can't stand this. And I'm like, oh, not everybody is like <laughs> vibing on what I vibe <laughs> on sometimes. Oh, like, like different rhythm signatures or like like it was like levels yes. that you appreciate. Yeah. 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 So I, I'm, I try to be more aware of that. Like when it comes to games and music, you know, knowing your <laughs> audience a little bit, but anyway, but before we start getting into like complexity and trick taking games and talking about some of the awesome games we played last weekend, I'd love to hear what you've been playing lately, Taylor, outside of the trick taking realm. So let's yes. jump into fresh plays. Awesome. Yeah. So I have been playing, even though I have been playing a lot of trick-taking games, some <laughs> non-trick-taking games. <laughs> the first one that I played, and this was actually at the retreat that we were just at, it's called Maze Makers. And I think it's some of the people who did Make the Difference by Oink. So if if you've seen that that one. I have seen it. I haven't played it, but yeah. Yeah. It's, I, think, I think they're doing really interesting things with drawing. Like what can you do with drawing games that isn't like guess this image or you know how well you can draw things like that so it make the difference it is you're hiding your the drawings that you make it's like a spot the difference type game but you're the one making the differences so you're trying to oh. hide that. and in <laughs> cool. maze makers yeah it's super cool in maze makers it's a maze that you're running through but the walls of the maze are made by the other players so it's it's just it just came out it plays two to six players. It's designed by Fuji and it's out by, you know, at a Tokyo game market publisher named Boda Game Emu. And the premise is kind of like cartographers, if you're familiar with that, where you're passing your maze, like your player maze, to the player to your left. And then the player to your left is drawing walls and then they're hiding a secret treasure of their own somewhere on the map that they don't want you to get. And then they pass <laughs> the map, like telestrations or something, right? You're passing the map and then so everyone does that. 
And then the player whose turn it is, you all have a minute once once you're done, you know, drawing. Everyone has a minute. The players whose turn it is, the close their eyes, you tape down the map that you're about to run on. And then you flip it over and you get this kind of overlay, the small circle overlay that does kind of like a fog of war, maybe. I don't know if that's the mm-hmm. best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. But essentially you have this <laughs> you have this marker that represents you, and then you have one minute and he says go, and you're just running through the maze. And the the only restrictions really is you can't, you know, like in real life, run through walls. So or even touch walls, which I think is maybe different from <laughs> real life. <laughs> but if you, touch, if you touch walls, you you lose a point. So it kind of restricts uh, it restricts players just going wild. But it's it's such a fun tension. So I had so much fun. It's one of those games that, depending on the hour you play it, has has different feeling. You know, like once you get past ten p.m., eleven p.m., the game gets raucous. So it was, it was so much fun. It was such a great play. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually played Maze Makers also. And I, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I think it was past the 10 p.m. mark. And <laughs> yeah. I I just did awfully. <laughs> oh, no. Like, I, I only hit two walls, but I don't think I made I think I made it to one of the treasures. And yes. but I thought this game was like, yeah, it was it was it's so clever because like when you're writing your treasure, like everybody has to like write a different symbol. And yes. I did like a D6 die, like somebody had oh, a that. heart or something. Yes. And yes. I love that. I love that how you're like, you're creating the maze for your opponents yeah. and everybody has some like influence on it. Totally. And one of the cool things is, is if, if you put your treasure along with someone else who put their treasure like in the corner, right? You can combine walls and make it harder, like your joint combining walls to make it harder. But then if the one person notices that, because you have your, your walls in your color of marker. Then they'll be like, oh, I'm going to follow that color. And they can be like, oh, there's two treasures back here. You know, it's like it's like choosing yeah. to go all or nothing. Where you placed it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> and at four players, I think it was, you can have two treasures. So you can kind of like split your difference. Um, oh. The last thing, which is fun, is I didn't explain, but if you get back to the entrance it, within the time oh, limit, yeah. it also counts as finding a treasure. So you're constantly thinking should I stop and just retrace my steps? Cause you have a marker path, right? So there's a fun tension to when do I cut loose, you know, or do I just keep digging? Yeah. For treasure? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's great to have push your luck and drawing in a weird combo, right? Super cool. Super cool. Yeah. So that is maze makers. Yes. So on my way home, I was flying back on the same flight with uh, Joe Huber and oh. uh, we had a layover. We both had a layover in Chicago. And so mm-hmm. we broke out a couple card games. And one was one that I packed with me and I've been wanting to try for a while. And that oh. is a game called Mindbug First Contact. This is a game that came out in 2022. It's designed by Scoff Elias, Marvin Hegan, Christian Kudal, and Richard Garfield. And it's published by Nerd Lab Games and Ghost Galaxy. So this is a two-player card dueling game where you're summoning monsters that battle against each other. The deck of cards in the game is pretty big. Like, I don't know if there are 50 cards or something, but you're only going to use 20 cards each game. Like, each player is going to have a 10-card deck that they start the game with. So you'll have a lot of, like, variety of which kind of monsters you actually have in, in that you're playing with throughout the game. And um, your goal is to reduce your opponent's life to zero. So each player starts at uh, three health and you're trying to knock the other player down to zero first to win the game. 
And it's really quick and fairly simple. On your turn, you'll have a hand of five cards and you either play a card in front of you onto the table or you fight with one of your your monsters that's already on the table. You fight one of your opponent's monsters. And, you know, there's some keywords on these monsters and everything. Like some of them are tough. Some can like attack twice. Some of them, you know, they have all these like little rules to them, but it's all like, it's very clean. There's a player aid and there aren't so many abilities that you can't, you know, have them memorized after you play two games, which is really quick. And (laughs) the hook of the game is that each player starts the game with two mind bug cards and there'll be two mind bugs face up. And when, let's say I'm playing you, Taylor, if I play a creature and you have uh, any remaining mind bugs, you can take control of that creature and flip over (laughs) one of your mind bug cards. So, oh my goodness. Like I mentioned, I loved like Wizard's Cup at some point. And um, this game, like the the mind games that you play, (laughs) like as you're like thinking like, should I play this card right now and tempt Taylor to mind yeah. bug it and take it when I really have something better in my hand? Yes. And and also, you only have two mind bugs and you could potentially be playing through 10 cards. When do yeah. you want to mind bug one of your opponent's creatures? <laughs> and Definitely. it's such a like a little thing, but it's so cool what it does to your headspace as you're playing it. Have you played this one? I have, and I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's one of those mechanics that instantly bounces it in such a beautiful way. Like the fact that it's almost like bidding and like trick taking. (laughs) Don't bring it back to trick Uh taking. (laughs) I love it. No, bring it back. Bring it back. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, if this is an overpowered card, or if your opponent thinks it's an overpowered card, it's theirs, right? Like there's just this inherent player defined balance, which I just love. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a great game. It's, it's so, yeah, it's really neat. And it's, it's so easy to like, I, again, I think it took like us 10 minutes to play, maybe 15 minutes to play mm-hmm. and you can mm-hmm. just reshuffle all the cards, deal, yeah. deal each other 10 more and just play again. Yeah. And with an opponent like Joe Hubert, who's very, very, <laughs> very, very smart person. <laughs> like, and from, I, beat from him, from I beat him. I beat him. Yeah. Joe is so very sharp. Yeah. Super sharp. Yeah. Like he, some of his favorite games is like um, Sextet, which is like bridge with six people. And like, he loves, you know, like the math of, of a lot of games. So that's awesome. That, <laughs> that's, I got I mean, in his head. <laughs> you got in his head. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. He told well, me about Sextet actually too. Oh, nice. Yeah. When we were, dr- when we were driving to the airport, I was like, that mm-hmm. sounds really cool. Oh yeah. This is a wild check one. that out. But like, gotta check that out. The mind bug what i love about mind bug is like also depending on whom you're playing it, it the game changes so much like like you just yeah. said the per, like sometimes as a person i will play my strongest first and so mm-hmm. there that but like like you're saying like some people are like oh i'll play something strong but i have something stronger in my hand whereas i'm just right. like i'm just gonna go crazy you know and yeah. you can like learn that about someone and then use that knowledge in the next game because they're so quick you know i love totally that but i could learn that about you but then now you know i know that about you <laughs> yes, so then you yes. might do the opposite and like i'm like what is taylor gonna do <laughs> but yeah i, I love um, all those like mind twists in games and 
Yeah. And the yeah. other thing is like this this game, the cards, like they're very funny. Like all of the monsters are kind of like yeah. just they have like fun name, fun art and everything. Yeah, it's like portmanteau. It's like always com- combining two animals, right? Or like two yes. ideas or something. Yeah. So yeah, cool. yeah. It was some, something like that. But yeah, they're they were kind of entertaining to just like look through the cards too. That is uh, Mindbug First Contact. What else you been getting into lately? Love that. Yeah, I played recently actually at The Retreat, which was great. It was a game called Lines of Action. So it came out in 1969. It is this abstract game. Yeah, yeah. I love discovering, especially with abstract games, just older kind of... um, I don't know if it's hidden gems. I don't. I wasn't around in 1969, so I actually don't know. (laughs) But um, this wonderful game from 1969, uh, designed by Claude Succi, I believe, and it's published by a fair amount of people. You know, older games get published by a lot, but I think the edition I have is Abacus Spiel. And okay, again, classic abstract game. It's two players, but essentially, the the goal of the game is you're trying to combine your pieces. So the second that your pieces all touch diagonally or orthogonally, you have won. And the oh. interesting kind of hook of the game is you can capture your opponent's pieces, but it makes it so there's fewer pieces for them so they can actually complete their goal easier, you know, like in, in, a, in a wild kind of twist. You know, yeah, like in, in check with your cool. chest, like a capture is, is great. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. They have less pieces. They have less opportunity and things Right, like that. but you're making it easier for them. Yeah, it's oh, so fun. that's it's interesting. So fun. And what's also nice is, so again, like checks or chess, pieces move the same way. So like a a knight will move like a knight for the whole game. Mm-hmm. But in lines of action, how you move is you count the number of pieces on a line and then you move the number of spaces of, <laughs> you move that many number of spaces. <laughs> so like oh, three okay, gotcha, gotcha. pieces in a line, your piece moves three. And so oh. you might be like, oh, I'll move to a different line that only has two pieces. So I can move two, which is exactly what I want. So it's fun to have kind of the same piece move differently in a game. And there's some dynamic moments that that leads to. It's, it's great. It's so much fun. That's uh, cool. It's, the beauty of it is also you can play it with checkers or chessboard. And I've had this thing where at the retreat, I've played it with someone named Lucas, who's, who's amazing. On We've managed to play it different way every time like every time we we go to the retreat like the first time we played it outside in the snow with those giant you know those giant chess boards that some people have <laughs> yeah so much fun. yeah yeah um oh, and then another time we played cool. it just on a piece of paper because we just drew it up and you can just use whatever pieces and then oh, this wow, time we were on awesome. a it was like a pub crawl for ice cream we were on a pub crawl for ice cream <laughs> so we're eating ice cream that's hard and we're playing <laughs> yeah, it was hard in in Cincinnati in January. In ice Cincinnati, yeah, yeah, that is hardcore. Yeah, yeah. That is hardcore. <laughs> so we were playing on. Uh, have you ever seen those like um, like knitted kind of checker boards? We we're playing on one yeah. of those on oh, on those tables. So it was cool. like had a different feel. Like it, it's just such a wonderful game that kind of translates to those different environments you played in. But yeah, that's that was one I played recently. I love that one. Lines of action. Cool. I'll have to check that out because I do love me some uh, abstract yeah. strategy games. Totally. That sounds it's neat. So another game that I was going to mention, uh, I think we played together at some yes. point, if I'm not mistaken, but it's called <laughs> Last Message. And this is a 2021 release uh, designed by Lee Juhawa. 
and Jiang Kim, and it's published by Yellow. Plays with three to eight players, and in this game, <laughs> last message, a crime was just committed. And so one player is going to be the criminal, and another player is the victim, and all of the other players are the detectives. And the victim is basically trying to help the detectives figure out who the criminal is. And the way you're doing this is there are these different mats that are like that have art that's like Where's Waldo style art or like micro macro, like crazy stuff happening on the on these um, different boards that you can play with. And so the criminal is going to. Oh, so also the criminal and the victim are sitting behind this giant screen where like I think at least one person walked up and was like, are you playing Captain Sonar? Uh, but like, there's this giant screen so that the uh, detectives can't see what's going on with the victim and the criminal. And on each side, the detectives have a blown, a slightly blown up version of the same board. But so the criminal is going to take this little glass bead and pick one of the characters in this crazy scene where there's so much happening and they're going to say, okay, that's who I am. You know, so the victim knows. Then the victim will have one minute. Is it 30 seconds or is it a minute? I don't know. It went by fast. It might be 30 it seconds. Yeah. It's not a lot of time to, to draw some clues and you can write words also on this dry erase board that's divided into, is it a two rows of three, I think? I'm I think it's two rows of three. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. It might be two rows of three or it might be a three by three. But yeah. anyway, they're going to draw and write clues. It has to be a three by three. I think it's I'm a three thinking. by three. Yeah. 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 I think so. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, basic, I think. it's some kind of grid. Okay. They have a grid. <laughs> and yeah, they're going to. Okay. Yeah. They're going to draw. <laughs> confirmed. Uh, they're going to draw some clues and to help the detectives figure out which character is the criminal. And after they do that, you might say, oh, no problem, no problem. And, and then mind you, there are like so many different characters <laughs> on this board. It's there. All of the different boards are very colorful and there's like so mm -hmm. much going on. Yeah. But before the the victim gets to who cannot speak, by the way, the victim passes their dry erase sheet to the detectives, the criminal gets to erase a certain amount of boxes worth of info. So, so I think on the first round, the criminal gets to erase five boxes. <laughs> and, you know, it was just hilarious because five boxes on this little mat is a lot. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> and, and then you just hand this to the detectives and you're just like, oh, hopefully they get something from this. <laughs> yeah. And you can get kind of clever. You know, we all like learned as we played, but you can get kind of clever where you can spread stuff out in boxes and, and yeah. make sure that there's some helpful uh, info, like even though it's going to get erased. And let's say like often it often happens that the detectives can't get it from the first round. Then there's another round, and then the uh, the the victim is going to draw on another sheet. Like there's a separate little dry erase board, and again they have 30 seconds, and then the criminal only gets to erase four boxes this time, mm -hmm. and so now they're getting more and more data, 
And, you know, if the detectives can guess the correct character that Mm -hmm. the criminal is, then the detectives and the victim win. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. the criminal wins. And uh, I had never heard of this game. And it was just it was just a hoot. Yeah. Every every single time, <laughs> it was so good. And actually, did you did you get a chance to put both um, both the sides, like the guesser and the clue giver? And yes. The, oh the yeah. Movie? Oh wow. Yeah. How did it feel being on the other side? On the victim side, it felt awful the first round because <laughs> I can't draw, and, and then and then like everything I did to try to be clever got erased, and like yes. I feel like they they just ended up with this curve line to guess from. <laughs> but then I learned from that, and I did a little better the next time, and um, I ended up for one round I played. I think yeah, I guess this was the only round where I was the victim. I drew. It was the round where we were playing this board that has all these kind of like space little creatures, almost like from Futurama or something like that. Mm-hmm. And there was one that was wearing a helmet with a little antenna and it had its hands like kind of almost touching the helmet. And I was able to kind of draw that big and I was I was hinting to them that it was somebody blue and they were able to figure it out. And it was just like this satisfying thing when they figured it out. Yeah. Were were you in my game with the cheese situation? I okay. Yes. A (laughs) hundred, a hundred percent. So I, I saw that picture with the, with the hand on the head. What was so funny was it's it's like, I think in the first time, I think you sent something over, you'll send over like a word, but they'll erase the box that has the most important part of the word. So all yeah. they'll see is like the word back or like, or front. <laughs> and you're like, what does that mean? Right. But yeah, that game we were in where someone tried to write crease, but they wrote, yeah. they wrote in Curse such a way them. that it looked like cheese. Yeah. They wrote kind of like, <laughs> and so they didn't know this, but there was so much cheese on the board. That yeah. we were just on this huge cheese run. Yeah, we were like, oh, it's got to be near this cheese. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've never seen a game that was so scrutinizing of handwriting in my life. And then like it was a speed game. So yeah. it's like, I'm not like the person that had bad handwriting at all. But it's like you're writing so much like and so quickly that, yeah, crease looks like cheese. And that will Crease looks like cheese. And, you did, like cheese. and they didn't notice that cheese was all over the place <laughs> all over the place it has the my favorite moments in codenames i think i think you said this where like you you give all these clues this one of clue that clues in like four or five you're like this right. is perfect but like flying five and then you don't realize like <laughs> the assassin is playing or you know like the, yeah. the one you're not yeah. supposed to clue to and you're just like oh when they start talking about it oh dear <laughs> yeah. oh dear oh yes. dear I, I noticed like you said like it seems almost the second round the clue giver's like Oh, here we go. Like I noticed in the second yeah. round each time people would draw the border around the um the clue mat. Yeah. And so when it got erased, you're like, oh, I think they're at least I see the off. edges. Yeah. Yeah, the edges to the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think- Yeah. It it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Do you how did you how do you think that one compares to because there's like kind of like a one versus all like or like um Deception Murder in Hong Kong, like games like that that have I guess this one is interesting because it's 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 one versus many, but everyone knows who everyone is. So there isn't really like a a bluffing hidden yeah. element. It is more just like a codenames kind of clue back and forth element. But yeah, how do you I, relate the drawing to the writing and like going back and forth on clues in that one? Yeah, I haven't played Deception in a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't even remember exactly how that one all goes down. But I think this one... 
this one, like a lot of people didn't want to be on the drawing side. Yeah. And uh, I just kind of, you know, do something that scares you or that yeah, <laughs> just kind of get out of your comfort zone yeah. a little bit. So I was like, yeah. okay, like I'll do it. I'm terrible <laughs> at drawing, but I, I really found it fun to be on both sides of this one. Yeah, I remember, I remember at one point when I'm on the detective side and I'm looking and I saw this one creature and I, I said, or this like one little character, I was like, you'd have to be mad to pick this person. And then we just kind of like moved on. But that was actually the answer <laughs> that we just, which we discovered a little bit longer. And, um, and, uh, and it's just like, it's really fun to like be on both sides of this kind of game. Like yeah. when you're the one sitting there watching the people do the analysis from these terrible drawings that are partially erased, yeah. it's just so funny to hear, you know, what they're saying. And totally. then, um, you know, it's just, it, I think it's a fun game to be on like both sides. Yeah. And I like that there were, I feel like there were at least like five different boards. Yeah. And all wildly different. Like that one that kind of was like the Hobbit-ish Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Game. The yeah. cheese, yeah, cheese, yeah, the cheese board essentially. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it becomes. Now. Oh, yeah, good times, good times. So that is last message. And now a word from our sponsor. Get ready to unleash unlimited possibilities. Pre-orders are now open for Star Wars Unlimited, the newest trading card game from Fantasy Flight Games. Featuring iconic heroes, villains, and starships from throughout the legendary Star Wars galaxy, Star Wars Unlimited is a fast-paced, easy-to-learn game that anyone can enjoy. Choose your leader from a list of fan-favorite characters. Each game of Star Wars Unlimited has you and your opponent alternating back and forth, performing one action at a time. Battles are quick yet strategically deep, and the first player to destroy their opponent's base wins the game. Connect, collect, and compete with organized play, which was baked into this game's DNA from the very beginning. No matter how you play, Star Wars Unlimited has something for everyone. If you'd like to learn more, check out www.starwarsunlimited.com. Look forward to the game's official launch on March 8th. So Taylor, I'm I'm excited to start talking about like the games we played last weekend because I I know we had some overlap, but I'm sure we also didn't. Yeah. And so I'm yeah. curious to hear what you kind of what games you caught your attention and everything that you enjoyed. But I I do want to talk a little bit about complexity and trick taking style games. And I keep saying trick taking style games because I just want to I'm going to say trick taking games going forward, but. This could mean uh, climbers, shedders, and anything in between, really. Yeah. There seems to be kind of like a catch-all type thing. Like even like popular games in Russia, like Durak, like they're not trick taking or climbing shedding, but like the same people like them. Mm. You know, like, like it uses the same thought process or like it feels the same. You know, it feels super similar. So I'm with yeah. you. I, mean, I love a catch-all term like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And again, like to take it back to like a music reference. You know, the minute you have a song that has an odd time signature, you know, not just the 4-4, four, four, or <laughs> even better for some, uh, multiple <laughs> odd times, you know, or multiple <laughs> different time signatures, you know, you lose a lot of people. And that's totally understandable. That's not everybody's jam. Personally, I get excited about <laughs> I get excited <laughs> by that. So I think I'm somebody who leans towards enjoying like heavier trick-taking games. Yeah. But I also, I mean, I also like light things that are just easy to 
bust out at the end of the night or with family or people who don't play a lot of games in general. But like, I was just trying to think about it. Like what makes these games kind of feel more complex than others? Right. Totally. Cause I, it, one of the revelations I had when I was starting to get into this genre a lot is like, Uno is a shedding game, you know, like mm. often yeah. players play that more. And so it's interesting to talk about climbing shedding games like Haggis or Teach or something. And then be like, oh, well, it's a similar goal to a, a childhood game that you play a lot, you know, yeah. and that it, it, there, there's like these levels of complexity and like what gets added to it. I found that bidding is a big part. I think guessing what's going to happen in a game yeah. is tough. Uh, I, I remember having a friend talk to me about Dune, the the not the deck building one by Renegade and Direwolf, but like the original or like one of the earlier ones where like the Bene Gesserit or Bene Gesserit gets to like win if they Yes, predict. like the OG Dune board yes, game yes, from yes, like yes. the 70s or something. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. They predict which turn and which faction is going to win. And if that happens, they win actually. Yeah. And it's always at least those wild moments, you know, but like predicting what's going to happen in a game, it necessitates like, you knowing the game state, you understanding what can happen in the genre or kind of the flow. And then also evaluating this random thing that you just got dealt. So I think bidding is a sign of complexity for sure. I think exceptions and stuff, like if people have played Skulking, which is one of the more popular trick taking games Mm -hmm. that has a Trump hierarchy where if Skulking is winning, it can lose to like, I don't remember. It was like the mermaid. mermaid (laughs) Right. Kraken or something. Yeah. The Kraken. (laughs) Yes, exactly. exactly. So I think, when I think of complexity, I think of a mix of rules and exceptions and then also depth of choice. And then also like what it's asking of the players, like bidding and being able to understand your hand and like, like like in hearts, like what do you pass? Right. Or when do you shoot the moon? Like knowing what can happen and like how long it takes to know what can happen is a big thing of, of what I expect for like the depth or or like the heaviness of a trick taking game. Yeah. Yeah. And I know like, there are some, I usually, when I bring up like, hey, have you played a trick-taking game? I ask if <laughs> yeah. you played something like, you know, if somebody's like, I don't know what that is. I usually say, have you played anything like hearts or spades, I guess? Yeah. Um, and do. like, I actually have not played either of those games since I was yo- like a kid. Sure. But, you know, but I, but at least it's a starting place for them. Yeah. And yeah. playing some of the games that I've been playing in the past year, I find that some of them add a lot of really cool twists to just following the lead suit, you know? (laughs) And I think the more twists you have, like the more complex it kind of gets. And like you said, the bidding, like, you know, it's one thing even to say, just bid on how many tricks you think you're going to win. But there are other games that where the bidding gets a little... (laughs) A little wilder, which little wilder. Uh, one of the games I'm going to bring up in a bit yes. <laughs> has a, like really interesting bidding, but it's definitely adds a little bit of complexity to yes. how the game feels to play and to teach to people and everything. A hundred percent. It, it, it comes to the point where, so, so there's this designer that, that I love, Sean Ross, who did Haggis and, oh, cool. and Bacon and stuff. And he has a wonderful knowledge of older classic trick-taking games, like from, you know, very early on 
Switzerland or France or, uh, or, or a lot of like Chinese climbing games, which are really fascinating. But those have kind of tables of bidding where you can choose, you look at your hand, you're like, is this a better avoidance hand? Is this a better trick-taking hand? Is this a better hand? Mm. Um, like there's one that has like 68 different ways you can play the game. And like you choose one of those 68 depending on your hand. And then you play that game. It's it's wild. Wow. Like ones wow. where like cards are high, then low, like every trick, like going back and forth. Or like you want to win only a certain suit or like things like that. Um, or he was showing me ones where there's a climbing shitting game. I think it's called, yeah, Bao. I don't want to miss Bao Huang, where essentially players, they get, you play with a hundred and <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but it's, it's well, <laughs> you play with a 168 card deck and you deal <gasps> players 35 cards per hand. So you have a hand of cards that you can't even hold. <laughs> yeah. So what they do is they stack it vertically and horizontally. So your hand looks like oh. a cityscape, <laughs> you <Whoa>. know, like, <laughs> Wow. There's towers and like little side, like there's so <laughs> many cards in your hand. And then you get a bunch of jokers. And there's actually like a recent uh, group of designs using dominoes where every card, kind of like Scout, if, if people are familiar with Scout, where cards have numbers on the top or bottom. But you play climbing shedding with dominoes where, oh, this I can make a run with this. Or if I flip the domino, I can make like a, a suit with this. So like giving the players a ton of options is yeah, also important. yeah depth of complexity that i've seen a lot like there's a game called fittich that has wild dominoes too so it's like oh this domino could be whatever i want it to be in addition to like the 28 dominoes i have in my hands you have like 30 (laughs) dominoes it's crazy yeah (laughs) i was actually just thinking too there might be some people out there listening right now that don't know what we're talking about when we're saying a trick taking or climbing shedding (laughs) i just i just thought of it myself like we just we just went deep. We're coming out. We're coming off this weekend and playing all these games, but right. I'll let you take it and just kind of just briefly describe the different styles. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm guilty of this a lot. So on, on my channel, I, tr- I, I just jump into it and I use phrases and I, I, I definitely feel bad. Like, like the hammer, you know, like, Oh, I'm the last in play. You're the hammer. And I just say the hammer. I never explain it. But yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Somebody said kitty to me this past weekend yes. and I was like, yes. what? Yes. <laughs> what's amazing. So I've been in, I've been engrossed in this for, for years now. And I just hadn't played bridge a lot, but there's a term in bridge, I guess. And it came up in extreme tricks, which you might've seen, but roughing. Do you see roughing? In oh yeah, yeah. 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 So I was like, what's roughing? And people are like, Oh, you don't know what roughing is. I was like, no. So like I'm learning new. Yeah. Traits. That's cool. So, um, so trick taking generally it's a type of game where everyone plays a card and then someone takes those cards, like they win the trick, everyone playing a card to the trick. And then the person leads to the next trick. So they play a card into the next trick. It's, it's interesting. I've watched a lot of different videos on how to teach this. And it's, it's a lot of people have different approaches, but it's, you're, you're kind of just playing cards with different rules, uh, similar yeah. to you know, go fish or made old maid or something. But a trick taking game is essentially people usually play a card into a trick someone wins it and then you keep going until people are out of cards and there's often must follow because cards have suits so if someone has like a heart and uh if someone leads a heart and you have a heart in your hand you have to play it obviously the games we're going to be talking about <laughs> break wild. all the rules, <laughs> they break all yeah. the rules. They break all <laughs> that's that's always the fun of it uh but that's generally what a trick-taking game is and then you'll get points depending on 
what you take, what cards you take, or maybe how many cards you took, how many tricks you took. Climbing shedding is similar to like what we talked about. Uno is you're just trying to get rid of your cards. And then climbing means you have to play a stronger set. So you're looking at your, your hand of cards and you're like, oh, if someone plays a two, I can play a three or higher. You know, I can't play that one anymore. Oh, uh, a, a lot of them are, you know, just like tricking games, very different. But a climbing shedding game also has types of things you can play. So you can play like similar to like Texas um, Hold'em or poker where you have like different uh, combinations. Combos, play, yeah. yeah. combos. Like a straight or like a run or like two of the same numbers, like a pair or like triples. And again, so many, <laughs> it's hard to like compared to like deck building, right? We're like, okay, you're building a deck. And, you know, like <laughs> you're adding cards to the deck and that's like the core conceit of a deck building game. And obviously that has like a ton of things that can go off it. Trick taking is, is tough because often when I'm like, here's what a trick taking game is, I have to be like, well, I'm about to teach you a game that breaks everything I'm about to <laughs> that I just, <laughs> that I just told you. Yeah. 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 But uh, uh, that's generally what, what yeah. are, I guess. <laughs> what would you say is a good, like one of your favorite, like lighter trick taking oh. games that is available mostly yeah. available for yes. people who are like maybe into lighter trick-taking games that's a that's a wonderful thing I, I i look for games that don't have bidding i think again yeah it's helpful if you know the the, the state of the game and i've kind of gone back and forth with some friends who are like you know like trust the players just throw them into something and they'll learn it and i, and I definitely agree that that can happen you know but as easy of a process as possible is probably my goal I think the most simple trick taking game is is Whist, where we played. Were you in the military? I, I wasn't in it. I oh, missed okay. it. I was too busy upstairs playing uh, Keyforge. I think. Oh, that's. I, would to- I totally missed military Whist. It was like twenty eight players or something yes, like that. Yes, <laughs> yes. I probably should have chat about it actually as one of my picks, but essentially it was a twenty eight player game of Whist. But Whist is is probably the most basic for for getting the flow of the game. I like a game called boast or nothing for for mm. teaching intro because it teaches a little bit of you want to win tricks sometimes you want to avoid tricks and then also the the concept which i didn't actually talk about but there's a concept of a trump suit where one suit might be stronger than the other and that teaches that really well yeah i think intro games um are of hearts are fun uh I, personally because that's that's how i learned the genre but it's tough to teach a trick avoidance game as your first <laughs> trick taking game oh yeah yeah because i was teaching <laughs> someone hearts and they're like oh, i'm just winning a lot is that what you're supposed to do i'm like oh, not really <laughs> i'm taking and a lot then, of tricks yeah and then uh rebel princess just to chime in on your hearts yes. like rebel princess is a new game that um i've i've talked about that i picked up at Essen yeah uh, in 2023 and um that is what people because Again, I haven't played a hearts in forever, but everybody's like, oh yeah, it's just hearts with a lot of wacky rules. Yes. It and definitely. it's and it's like I think about that one too because I'm like, can I throw this one at my mom? Right. And maybe I think like my mom has done cat in the box oh, then, and yeah. and uh delt slash crass car yard. Oh, and man. yeah, mom's- I'm I'm throwing them at her. <laughs> and, and scout, yeah. <laughs> and uh Yokai Septet. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your mom knows. <laughs> yeah, your mom knows. Your mom's really um no, those are those are wonderful. I think personally, like I'm I'm such a fan of co-op games 
because um, players can kind of help learn the rules together. And yeah. there's no, you know, how like some sometimes in competitive games, people are like, oh, I can give you advice. And someone's like, oh, is that advice that you're going to use? A, or like, are you giving me advice to do something that would right. win? <laughs> and it's like kind of cheeky and like, yeah. But uh, the crew is is a wonderful, yeah. wonderful uh, intro to trick-taking games, especially because the first few are very short, which is which is lovely in a learning game where, you know, you're going to make a fair amount of mistakes. So it's nice to kind of pull back. Especially it also teaches you the importance of being short-suited, when to play Trump, when to lead what so yeah, so the crew is yeah maybe my number one pick so yeah for like the yeah, for that kind of like lighter and, yeah. and it, the fact that it's cooperative like you're yeah. saying yeah that's a really good point and that's like yeah i love the crew also yeah it does a great job of bringing players in i think there's a reason why it's i think it's 68 on the top um board game i forget what it's called like the like uh, ranking ranking yes, yes, yes yeah 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 it's super high out there that's that's cool. Yeah, I know some of the games we're going to talk about are probably <laughs> leaning on the heavier side. <laughs> but I actually one thing maybe will be a little personal goal for me is like I've never played bridge. So yeah. Yeah. I might I might need to try bridge so that I have more familiarity when I go to trick taking events and someone's like, oh, like bridge. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think so, too. I would know what roughing was, so I wouldn't look like a, a doofus in front of all these other <laughs> trick taking games. <laughs> Cool. Well, Taylor, let's let's jump into. I, I guess we each picked five games that we'll talk about that we enjoyed last weekend. And apologies in advance because some of these games, <laughs> probably most of them, are going to be a little hard to find. I'm gonna have to look at uh, maybe tricky imports, Tanuki games. Yeah. Just. M- Shout out on BGG if you love it, and maybe somebody will pick it up and <laughs> make totally. it easier to get I, if it sounds cool. I, I I hope this is becoming the pipeline. I think there's there's a sign of people definitely being interested in these games, and then publishers paying attention to that. I think there's yeah. more and more publishers going to Tokyo Game Market and seeing what's popular, seeing the hits from there, and realizing that these wonderful games that are currently very tough to get you know or some sometimes tough to get and making them more readily available so i think there is a growing amount of availability for these so or even like our conversation right now is hopefully helping to yeah you know, yeah like these, <laughs> these two different markets or or you know bring to the states and trying to get uh them played because they're great yeah and i'll add some subliminal messages too for the different publishers out there <laughs> yes yes, <laughs> you, yes you something like pick up these games in reverse yeah. or something like <laughs> some, oh there's there's that thing where like certain people can't hear certain frequencies and so maybe yeah yeah can hear yeah they put that message on there. i'll put it on the publisher frequency <laughs> yeah the publisher frequency. Exactly. oh okay what's the first game you want to talk yes. about yes so this one uh, it's actually a wonderful segue. It's called the Cockapoo Buddy and Party. So this was at Tokyo wow. King Market. They had a wonderful <laughs> booth. It's so much fun. One of my th- favorite things is I will go to a booth, grab one of their games, and meet them. They're so nice, and they have, you know, sometimes fun costumes or art or like a setup at the booth. And then I'll be like, "What is this game going to be like?" And then I'll finally get it played, and I'll be like, "Ah, oh, it's so it's so nice to, to relive awesome. that and be like, wow, these wonderful people made this wonderful game.'" But so this cool. game is designed by Chatra Games, I believe. There's something okay. to where sometimes, uh, like 
in Japan or definitely Tokyo Game Market, there will be like circles is kind of what they call them, where different designers will be a part of like a group. I'm not, I'm trying to think of like similar situations, maybe like Prospero Hall or something, you know, like some Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking of when you were describing this, but I couldn't think of their name, but yeah, the, yeah. like a group of design, like a collective of designers collective. or something. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Gotcha. So this came out 2023 and it's two to four players. It's complexity. I'd say it's, it's a really interesting one, especially segueing off of what we just talked about is because it's essentially the crew but with a little bit more onto it. So I know a lot of people talk about next step games, you know, or like, oh, I was, I showed some people this intro, like what's next. Mm-hmm. And this feels definitely like the crew. It has missions. You go on missions that get harder and harder and harder and it's cooperative, but it adds on this level of spatial puzzling. So the theme is you are trying to take photographs of birds, which is a lovely <laughs> theme. The, how how you do that is these birds are these playomino shapes and the cards you play are the uh are are what are other polyomino shapes that you're going to try to surround the birds so for example maybe like the eight in a suit is bigger than the one in the suit so or that's usually true (laughs) (laughs) but so the the card that wins the trick it's going to have a shape on it you're going to grab that shape and you're going to put it on the board and so you're just trying to surround these birds Whoa, that's cool. It's a fun theme also because they say the reason you can't talk about your hand or you can't communicate, you know, is because you don't want to scare away the birds, which is a cute little. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. I love it. Yeah, I love that. That's so cool. And it does a a great job. It has an interesting thing also. I mean, speaking of complexity, I know we've talked about different ways trick-taking games are complex, but I think knowing how a hand is going to go, like the flow of a hand, is, is definitely a part of complexity as well. So in this game, how the trump system works is the trump suit is the last, is the suit of the card that won the last trick. So it changes per trick. Oh. So let's say, like like just knowing that you're like, oh, interesting, I don't know how that's going to work. Mm-hmm. But in, in practice, you realize that let's say you won the last trick, you and you have the same suit left in your hand, you're going to win probably the next two tricks because like the third to last trick might be purple is now Trump and you only have two purple left. It's going to stay purple. So, so it's interesting that you might be like, Oh, we want a smaller shape. Maybe I'm going to hold a smaller card. Hopefully it becomes oh. Trump, win it with Trump. And then, then we have a smaller space, which is more useful kind of for like, you know, classic polyomino games where sometimes you want that one by one, like patchwork. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That little you square. Know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's fun. It's, it's like wow. oh, next level because not only, does it have a different trick-taking flow that I've seen ever in the trick-taking game? But also there's spatial kind of reasoning to it. It also has this wonderful moment where, so again, you're trying to surround these birds, right? And you can't tell player, you can't tell the person who won the trick how to place the polyomino. So players are all just like watching quietly oh, as yeah, you're yeah. choosing where to go. <laughs> you know? it's, like Isle of, it's a cooperative Isle of Cats where you're like, oh, how are you going to? You know, how are you going to well, build that? Well, yeah. well, that's so funny that you say cooperative Isle of Cats because Race to the Raft, which is oh, in the yeah. Isle of Cats universe, has like a, a moment like in the game where you have to place these polyomino fire tiles and oh, you cannot yeah. get any input from other players. So oh. I knew exactly when you were saying that moment yes. of like kind of cringing when you're yes. hoping they place it one place and they're like, ah, that's yes. so awesome. 
that is that's that's the exact feeling. In fact, I I didn't know Race to the Raft was was co-op, and I love that. I want I really want to check that out because it is that similar. It's feeling. cool. Like, yeah. Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah, that was um that was one, and it's also one. It's kind of like Pringles. Like it, it's one of those ones that you want to just play. Like oh, let's play the pop, next and one. you can't stop. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so, and it, how do you pronounce it again? I I believe it's the Cockapoo Buddy and Party. Uh, the cockapoo buddy and party. Which is All right, I that yeah. sounds really really fun. Yeah, I had great. not even heard about that one. Yeah, it's so much fun. It's a great one. So uh, the first game I'm going to mention is the game that I'm going to talk about that I know that I guess I know the least about and recall the least about, but I thought <laughs> it was really interesting. Oh, I love that. And it doesn't even have at the time of this recording, at least a BGG page yet. Uh, it's called Makai Fuda. And I think it was a, I think it just came out at Tokyo Game Market uh, in December 2023. Yeah. Maybe, or maybe sometime in 2023. Look, mm-hmm. I don't know. We're flying <laughs> here. I'm guessing. I would say the complexity on this one is maybe a medium, medium-ish, maybe medium plus. And some of these games, like, um, especially like, any kind of like the Japanese games or the or the foreign games from other countries, there's sometimes a complexity that just comes from if you're having to translate rules or if you're, you know, if the cards aren't pasted up with English yeah. and you're trying to. So that, like this one has this 8-bit art uh, that looks like an old like Nintendo yeah. game or something. and you are so first the first like kind of barrier for me was just like understanding the the card the the, the graphic design and everything oh, yeah. is a little like different and was a little challenging for me but you're going to have these different monster suited cards and each monster there were four different types of monsters they kind of have a relative rank to each other and they have a different amount of cards and different ranked cards in them. Okay, this is definitely medium. As I'm talking, about, <laughs> as I'm talking about it, it is. Uh, yeah, there's some there's some complexity here. But after you get your hand of cards, you're gonna secretly bid on which monster you think is gonna win the most tricks. So if I bid on, say, there's a green monster, which I was calling the snap peas guy. If I bid a snap peas card from my hand, I'm taking that card out of my hand, putting it face down. I'm hoping that that monster is going to win the most tricks. But now here I am losing a card from my hand that might help influence that. So it's always kind of a tough call when you're deciding which card to bid on or which monster you're going to bid on. And also, you don't know what your opponents are doing, which I really loved about this game. Um, The bidding was hard. (laughs) The bidding was hard. Yeah, uh, but I but I really liked it because it made for kind of an exciting little reveal at the end of the hand when it's like, oh, w- which monster did everybody bid on? So each monster each has a card that is on the table that everyone can see, and it's worth a certain amount of points depending on the number of players that successfully bid on that monster. So, for oh. example, if let's say I was the only one who bid on the green monster. And I won, I would get 60 points. Or I don't remember if it was coins or points. We'll just call them points for now. But Taylor, if you and I both bid green and green was the monster that won the most tricks, then we would each get 50 points instead. 
And then if three yeah. or four people bid on green and green one, we would each get 40. So mm-hmm. you get the most if you're the only one uh, bidding on that particular monster. And the scoring is varied between all four types of monsters and also for the different player counts for each monster. And you're going to, every time you play a trick, you know, let's say green monster wins the trick, you're going to track how many tricks they're winning that monster with a little die that you'll put on their card. Mm -hmm. Um, And then let's say everything worked out in my favor at the end of the round, green did win. Then all of the other monsters are going to get a little token added to them. So now if they win next round, they're worth more points. It's like 10 more points. I think each time it kind of gets boosted. So that's kind of neat that the, the <laughs> point value is, is fluctuating for monsters as you play the game. Then you also have <laughs> these like magic cards in the, okay, this is a complex <laughs> one. <laughs> then you also have these magic cards where if somebody like leads with one type of monster and then you can uh, play a magic card, it boosts the the one of the monsters or something like that. Again, I apologize. I don't remember exactly how this game worked, but I thought it was just really cool. I love the idea of everybody secretly bidding on one of these monsters based on the cards they have in their hand. And you have to bid with a card in your hand. And that, you know, just just watching how people play and trying to see like, oh, you know, I, I was trying to be like sneaky about who I was bidding on. But then I'm like, there's so much kind of going on that I don't know if it mattered or if I should have been more mm-hmm. obvious. But right. I think the more obvious you are, then people are going to try to make sure that that monster doesn't well, win. Right. So, you know, so I like games like that where everybody kind of has like influence on things that are happening like there's a game called a war of whispers and like the oh, king yeah. is dead where we're, yeah. we're all manipulating these cubes on the board and we're all but we're all trying to win and like not one person controls one monster or anything like that so um and i you didn't get a chance to play this one did you no sadly not it it i know exactly what you mean by the graphic design because it stood out amongst yeah. all the tables <laughs> you know you'd walk around and be like oh there's colors and numbers like that's a trick to yeah do. Then you see this one, you're like, oh, whoa, that's different. Yeah, Yeah. lots of little dice and like, like yeah, yeah, it has a different look to it. Table presence was was wild on this one. Did it it, did it feel like a game where once you once you played like a a bunch that those subtleties of where I'm going to go and bluffing maybe a little bit would come out? Um, no, because to tell you the truth, <laughs> uh, I, it took me a few rounds to still, and I, and I still can't remember cause there was an element of poison in the game too. Uh, so like some of these extra things I didn't 100% grasp yeah, yeah, even after a full game, or at least I don't remember like right now True. enough that like it stuck mm-hmm. with me, yeah. but I still thought it was really cool. Oh, that's like, awesome. And I, and I think, you know, if it, if it, and it, it's also like we were playing it from translated rules and there was not like someone who was super familiar with the game. Like we were all kind of like, you know, figuring it out. So that adds some complexity to the learning experience and understanding and everything. But I know some people played it multiple times and, you know, like it it was the people who played it seemed to like it. Yeah. Who like Doug, who like kept digging. Yeah. There is something and like I, I know you pre- you preface the the list of of all these at this retreat where they're hard to get. There is that huge element of often you're translating the rules 
before you play. You're, yeah. you're reading the rules. There's a thing where, you know, classic board game night, some players might bring a game and be like, hey, I really want to play this. And they're like, oh, do you know how to play? Can you teach? And like, not really. We might have to read the rules. You know, like that. Right, kind of right, 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 right. It's like that, but cranks to 11, right? Like you right. have to translate the rules into English, guess what they mean. And then be like, let's learn how to play like that. Type yeah, of and it and it and they're again often these slightly more complex taking yeah, games yes, on top yes, of that, yes, so it yes. all kind of uh, boosts it up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that is Makai Fuda. Nice. It it looked great. I really wanted to try it. My next game was Loop, and oh, I didn't get yeah. a chance to play it, but I kept hearing people talk about it. You know, I so I kind of try to have you know, ear to the ground, I think is, is the phrase. Uh, <laughs> I tried right. to, yeah. Um, I tried to pay attention to what games were being played. And this was probably top five. I think this was getting played. This is getting played a lot. Yeah. It again, <laughs> I feel like this is broken record or, or we're on a loop. Huh? <laughs> uh, this just nice. came out. Tokyo game market just came out in 2023. It's designed by uh, Takashi Saito. And the publisher is Brain Brain Games. And this is a climbing shedding game. And it's interesting to quantify it as uh, like what level of complexity. So in this game, the hook is it's a climbing shedding game where players are trying to go out classic. But what happens is kind of like turn the tide. You don't pass your hand around. You don't reshuffle and redeal. Every time you play a card, it actually goes back to kind of where you played it. And Hmm. the hands stay where they're at. And then what happens is the player who did the least best, who player didn't (laughs) do do great, they are going to pick which seat they want. So the player who got, you know, fourth or who didn't go out, they're going to be like, you know what? I want that first hand again. And they're going to try to see if they can go out first again. So it's a really interesting game. And in terms of complexity, I would say it's like a little bit complex, but it's one of the beautiful games where it goes with the players if that makes sense like if you're playing this for the first time and you're kind of exploring it like it's it's not too bad it's it's, it's like a light to medium but the, the the subtleties of how can i play this hand differently than the last player who played it is is very interesting so often the players who had the first and second hands will get put onto like the third and fourth hands you know because you can't pick your hand again are you physically getting up yes yes <laughs> okay yes. i'm sitting here wondering <laughs> yes, trying to like yes. picture this game totally it it plays at three players so you can technically like thanks to math like choose a direction and pass because that's kind oh. of how that can work okay but at four players yeah the fourth player person stands up picks a seat sits down that person you know everyone stands up wow change, different super different and the person or the hand that starts the game is the same each time. So everything's like the exact same. And this is part of an interesting, like tying it back to complexity. A lot of players who are really into trick-taking games will will want to play duplicate versions of that game. Like, have you heard of duplicate bridge? Um, no. It's, it's a bridge type where everyone in the tournament has the same hands. So if you won, it's, it's like, oh, it like the game setup is random, but everyone's playing the same random setup. So you don't huh. feel like, Oh, I just got a bad hand. Right. It's similar to some people oh, might've cool. heard about um, duplicate pandemic, like how they do pandemic tournaments. 
So in pandemic tournaments, they have the same, um, uh, what's that called? That deck, deck of that bad you, cards. Deck of bad cards is, is what it is. Yeah. The <laughs> oh, deck of wow. bad cards. And so you can, and everyone plays the same characters. So it's like the player choices are the only thing that's different. And even though that deck of bad cards is random, everyone has that same random setup. So like, um, Jai, is Jaipur, like Jaipur is always the first city or like San Francisco or like things like that. And it's more about how you handle that compared to the other people. So that's neat. That's really neat. I yes. didn't realize that either, that there were like tournaments that were done that way. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. People try to play duplicate teacher. So it's like, even though you get dealt, you don't get like the, the great cards, you can try again um, and you s- swap hands. So this game kind of simulates that. You know how like um, Challengers, that that game that came out, simulates the idea of like a tournament in a game. Right. Which is really, really cool. This kind of tries to simulate duplicate games in a game. So what's really fun about the game is you can be like, oh, that hand over there, that's just lost and lost and lost and lost and lost. Everyone can be like, oh, that's just a bad hand. And then someone gets it and they get first. And, they, and you're like, oh, how Yeah, and crushes it? it with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, really fun. And there's so, moments. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, Sorry. there's moments to make the game different. So certain cards can be used either as ways to stop things immediately and take control and win again, kind of like a bomb maybe. And gotcha. a bomb and climbing shedding is a way to like say, we're going to stop what we're doing and I'm going to take control. Um, or you could use it to make it so instead of 15s being strong, ones are now strong. So you can kind of reverse the order ah. of the ranking. So that's, I think, how you get moments to where that hand that was so bad is actually good now. Is because play can happen pretty differently between hand to hand, even though everyone knows where everything is by the time you're playing. Like the third <laughs> hand. <laughs> wow, that's that's really neat. I was going to ask too: is how is the climbing? Like, what kind of combos oh, do you play in this? Yeah, great question. It's actually surprisingly pretty simple. There's there's only three suits, and you can play only singles, uh, so just one card sets. So you can play pairs or triples. Uh, you know, two of a kind, three of a kind, and then runs, uh, but they have to be suited. So you can do like four, five, ten, but they all have to have the same suit. So they're a little bit more rare, oh. which, is, which is nice. Super clean. Yeah, it's 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 kind of my favorite version of climbing shedding is where you you, you don't have too many crazy melds. Um, I guess speaking to complexity, though, that's part of it, too, is like some climbing shedders could be more complex because they have so many different melds you can play. Right. <laughs> and you're looking at this one hand and kind of like, you know, Glory to Rome or maybe Innovation. You have so many ways you can play a card. Right. And it, you're like, when well, you have so many combos yes. that you can do, it's like evaluating your hand is ugh, hard. Yes, yes. Totally. Hard. Totally. Yeah. Yes, yes. yes. Oh, that's yes. cool. Yeah, yeah this we, loop is a is one of the games that I kind of regretted that I didn't get a chance to play. Uh, so yeah. I'll have to track down a copy. I'll yeah. Track down a copy. These, yeah, track down a copy is the classic. <laughs> I think it might be picked up as well. So I think if you're listening to this podcast a year from now, maybe all this in will the, be. In the future. In the future, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome loop, loop. Love yeah. it. So the next game I'm going to talk about, I know you know because you have an awesome video on it. It's a game called Trick Raiders. So I went into last weekend with the goal of, hey, I have a lot of trick-taking games that I haven't played, you know, that I heard good things about. And so I wanted to try to play some of them. And Trick Raiders is one that I've, I got sometime last year, I believe. I can't remember 
if I bought it through Tanuki or Tricky mm-hmm. Imports or, but I got a copy of Trick Raiders and it's been sitting on my shelf and I finally got a chance to play it. This is a 2022 release designed by um, a designer who goes by N2, uh, Yoshihisa Nakatsu, and it's published by Southern Cross Games. Plays with three to four players. And this is a must-follow trick-taking game. So if I lead with a king, um, or a king, <laughs> if I lead with diamonds, everybody has to play diamonds if they have it. Um, oh my gosh, can you imagine that? If it's like must-follow yes. rank, there's probably something out that. there that's that's like that. But uh, this is a must-follow trick-taking game with a fixed trump suit. And when you get dealt your your cards, some of the cards are going to be dealt face up in front of you on the table in a card row. And then the other ones are going to be in your hand like normal. So you have this mix of public and private cards. And before you start actually playing the round, you're pretty much going to kind of set your bid with these cards. So the cards that are on the table are the only cards during the round that you are going to be able to lead a trick with. And the ones in your hand, you can only follow with. At any point while you're playing the round, if you, let's say I start the round with three cards on the table that I'm saying I'm going to lead exactly three times. And let's say I, I lead three times, I'm on, a, I'm on a roll, but then I win a trick and I need to lead a fourth time and I have no cards on the table to lead with. Ouch, I got raided. <laughs> I, 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 I lose a life. So in this game, you'll have a certain amount of like life points. I don't remember if it was like two or three. And so I would lose a life if at any point I can't lead because I'm, I don't have any more cards on the table or if I can't follow because I don't have any more cards in my hand. So you have this really interesting bidding system where you're like bidding on how many tricks you think you can lead and follow. And the game is going to end when one player loses their last life and they're eliminated, and the player with the most lives left wins. And I think there are like some special cards, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. There's one that will change Trump. And then there's one that is worth a point if you capture it, or win with it, rather. Okay. And then there's one that actually like makes someone take one of their, I think I'm going to lead with this cards, like into their hand. (gasps) Right, right, right. Yeah, so like this one... I had heard good things about it and I was not disappointed. I really, really liked it. And I'm so excited to actually play my own copy and introduce it to some of my friends who love trick-taking games. I would say like complexity-wise, it's probably medium. Um, Maybe maybe on the lighter side of medium, just thinking about games like Cat in the Box. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like it, could be comparable maybe to the yeah. weight of something like that. Um, especially, you know, if if it if this game has English rules, thankfully there's a really great YouTube video on <laughs> Trick Taking Table um, that you can really get a, a really good feel for how this game works and like see if it's something you might enjoy. But I thought it was like so neat that you're getting this split hand of cards on the table and in your hand and then you're deciding hey, do I think because of the cards that I have that I'm going to get to lead, like I'm going to be winning a lot, so that means I'm going to be leading a lot, so maybe I want to add some cards to the table, but then that's reducing the amount that you're going to be able to follow with. Yes. Yeah, it's so cool. 
ah, oh, you're describing the, the feeling exactly. There's something. It's it's funny because it's 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 essentially bidding. You know how many tricks you think you're going to win because that you know how many tricks you win leads to how many times you're going to lead things right. like that. And the the fact that you have to show what you're going to lead lets players kind of guess what's going to happen in the in the game in kind of like an interesting yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> I love I love unique open information in a game about hidden information. Like that's trick taking games, right? What does right. that person have? And then it's like, well, what if I show you a little bit of what I have? Like, what can we do off that? <laughs> Such a fun game. Yeah. And it, like that element of the public and private kind of reminded me of No Coast Dice, um, <laughs> which uh, I know more people have gotten their hands on and uh, really, really enjoy that game too. But yeah, I, I really do like that that mix of uh, private and public cards. And yeah. so I don't know if you know this, but if you play Lay Plateau with two players, um, their two-player oh. variant has oh. a public private card thing which i thought worked pretty oh, well i didn't know that that's so wonderful yeah yeah i i actually enjoyed it at two players so that that was kind of a nice little surprise that's awesome <laughs> how, how often did players or did you uh try to go zero or six in trick graders meaning i don't think i'm gonna win or i think i'm gonna win a ton um i i don't think many people went that extreme <laughs> that often um yeah. and i know i certainly played a little more uh conservatively just because <laughs> i'm like oh, i don't want to i don't want to lose my life you know yes, exactly. uh, but i think i would play around with that more when i play it in the future yeah and uh push a bit but yeah anytime i'm kind of learning a game for the first time <laughs> i usually try to keep it a little mellow yeah no, sometimes totally. sometimes i like to go extreme though yes yeah. oh, wait, wait. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah 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 so that is trick raiders and i also played uh trick runaway which oh, all right. yeah i don't know if you played that one but it is it's like kind of a follow-up to this like maybe same designer but it's like you're running out of a dungeon sort of yeah i liked it but that was again another one where you know we were kind of like learning from translated rules yeah and i think it's 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 one i need to play again but like Trick Raiders was more of a slam dunk banger for me. Um, so, yeah, so I'm definitely looking forward to playing that one more. Yeah, I, I would definitely see that as well. I played Trick Runaway with someone who they had played Trick Raiders at a wedding, like for some reason. I don't know how it gets to a wedding, but I love that. But they played it at a wedding. I want to go to that wedding. Yeah, where's that one? Yeah. They played at a wedding like 50 times or something. Like it was this game that wow. just translates to um like players playing in different ways and going crazy and, and having so much fun with it but they were like oh i don't know if i could teach i think it was like maybe a little bit too many rules like a, a little bit yeah yeah the trick 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 runner or trick runaway run like yeah. it had some things where you were modifying the value of all your cards playing so at some point like <laughs> i had like a minus two card in front of me because yes. something happened and then so every card i played was minus two but then there were, there was some other stat you were like kind of capturing. So I would say, yeah, it's definitely a little more complex and yeah. like fiddly. And I don't know. I, I want to play it again. I want to yeah. play it again. Like it wasn't something like I was like, ew. Right. <laughs> and one of the, 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 the wonderful parts about this retreat is like after you leave, you'll have so many more. Like you, like you have these games that you're like, I don't know how to teach or like I haven't played or like it's hard right. to play with 
other friends. And then now it's like, okay, now I can like play Trick Raiders and with my friends. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like that. that is very exciting to me because yeah, it's been it's this like really tiny box too, but I've been afraid of it. Yes, I've been yes, afraid yes. to tap even with your helpful video. I'm like, oh, I'm not ready to show this to people. You know, <laughs> totally, totally. now I am. Now yes, I am. The confidence and the, the tool. <laughs> yes, I love that. So that is Trick Raiders. Nice. Uh, so I played a game that again this was this was played a lot i think did did you get a chance to play it's called baranda yes oh, i wonderful. did i did get a chance to play baranda and i liked it a lot too that was one of the ga- games like you were saying loop everybody was talking about yes. baranda was another game that i would ask people like oh what's the favorite your favorite thing you've been playing and so many people kept saying baranda and i was like i yes. got to play it. yes so right I, yeah so baranda is a trick taking game that again came out recently at tokyo game market and it's designed by Toshiki Arao, and it's published by A-Team. So it is interesting. I, I'd say it is more medium than the light to medium, but kind of like a light to medium complexity. And I say that because kind of the hook of it is you are bidding on how many tricks you think you're going to take, which is very classic, traditional trick-taking sure, uh, sure. Kind of flow. But what puts this on kind of this uh, like a tightrope of sorts is that if players bid too much, the game turns into an avoidance game where you don't want tricks. <laughs> and then if players bid too few, it becomes a, a trick taking game where you want as many tricks as you want. So it plays off of what players think is going to happen in a, in a really fun way. So if players are a little greedy, now it's like, Oh, you actually don't want tricks at all. <laughs> like, and it's collective. It's yes, collective, yes, yes. like the sum of everybody's bid. That is a huge point. Oh my gosh. Because you might be bidding a bunch. And then if everyone else thinks they're going to do really poorly, then actually it still remains a trick-taking game. And you're you're feeling great because it's like, oh yeah, I want. I thought I was going to take a bunch of tricks. So I'll, I'll take a lot of tricks. So I, I love that. And, and speaking to like player-defined games, that is a huge player-defined game where the players are really in the driver's seat on what you're about to play. And the trick play is mostly normal. There's some cards that I think I think it's a nice game to where it gives you these cards that will will kind of be stronger. Like you'll know they're stronger. Like there's these one cards that you can play whenever that always win. They could lose to different cards, <laughs> which definitely happens. <laughs> but <laughs> it helps you be informed a little bit more than than normal on on a trick taking game that. Uh, that you could win with this card or you probably will win with this card, but then it gives you the out to where you possibly might not, which is great. But yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah. Super simple. I think some of those ones that are real big hits are hits are like very close to a super simple game, but you know, just a slight twist, slight twist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was like the, the magical number was like 12, right? So if the total bid was less than 12, Mm-hmm. Your tricks are, I forget if it was up or down, but yeah, like you wanted to win more. And then, but if, but then if it's, then if it's, if it was exactly 12, you had the, the last bidder had to bid something to either change their bid by what, go down by one or go up by one. Cause it can never be exactly 12. Yeah. So it works off that idea of, and this can kind of be a, a complaint some players have of, of bidding trick taking games is if everyone bids correctly, 
then it becomes like this cooperative game where it's like, okay, well, I know you want four tricks. I want six tricks. And there's like, let's work together. Let's work. Yeah. There's 10 <laughs> tricks left. Let's try to like make this work. So there are only 12 tricks in the game. And so it kind of forces it to where someone's going to mess up or someone's not going to do what they want to do. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, which is <laughs> It, it it's nice to see a system put in place to to kind of fix an issue that people might have, but to do it in an elegant way, which I thought Baranda did well. Yeah, I really I really liked Baranda as well, and I was kind of hoping you would talk about it because <laughs> yes, I I didn't just because I wanted to throw my Makai Fuda on here because it was yes. just so <laughs> the monsters, you know. Yes, the monsters, <laughs> and there's something I mean, kind of like what you just talked about with the eight bit graphics. There's something fun in in Baranda where. The art on that one is is kind of like very colorful, very like fun. And the bidding card, which is one of the most fun bidding cards I've ever seen, oh, yeah. was this sliding. So it was someone holding up a bowl with like fruit on it. I, I, is that on like yeah. the banana logo? Like I'm trying it to think. It was kind of like that. It was, yeah. That's that's what it was reminiscent of. Yeah, yeah reminiscent of. <laughs> and the more you bid was the more fruit that was like piling up onto the bowl. <laughs> that was so cute that was a, it was a really fun like production it's fun to have like fun cute moments yeah like and it's just with cards cards yes, and art two cards. yeah two that, cards and that art. was really cool yeah because it leads to like players having fun at the table right where you're like hey how much fruit do you think you yeah yeah you know? <laughs> so yeah that was brand it was, a, it was a hoot people loved it too cool so the next game on my list was another popular game or at least popular in my world and that is Sumida River. And this is another 2023 release designed by Mashi Kamaru, and it's published by Mashika. And I think the player count, it was three to four, if I recall, for this mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a card shedding game. So you're trying to get rid of your hands first. You're not trying to get rid of your hands. Sorry. You're trying to get rid of the cards in your hands. <laughs> first so in a four-player game the way it works is if you're first to go out you score three points if you're second to go out you score two points and then third gets one and whoever's last just gets nothing Mm -hmm. so you are trying to score the most victory points after a certain amount of rounds i don't remember how many rounds but the deck has 52 cards there are three threes all the way up to 10 tens and there are two suits black and red and on the table, you have these four cards that are placed, um, I guess, horizontal. It, it makes this river. And <laughs> on the left side of the card, it's black. You can only play black cards. Black combinations, I'll say. And then on the right side of each card, you can only play red card combinations. And so the, the top card is single card, meaning on the left side, you can play a single black card. On the right side, you can play a single red card. The next card in the river is two card combinations, but they kind of mix it up. So on the black side, you have to play two of a kind. Uh, so you can play two eights. On the right side, you have to play two a two card run. So you can play like four, five, nine, ten. And then going down on the third card in the river, you play. you have to play three cards on either side. And that one has a special rule where on the black side, you can actually play one red card. So you can play two black cards and a red card or three black cards. And on the red side, similarly, you can play two red cards and a black card or three red cards. And then on the fourth one, you're playing four cards. And I think one side was four of a kind. I don't remember which one. Maybe the black side was four of a kind. And the red side was then a four card run. And there was like some special 
thing that happens. But the way this game works, there are a couple like hooky things. So usually when you're playing these like climbing shedding games, yeah, you're you're trying to like, oh, I play a single three, you're beating that. We're just playing around on the table and we're beating each other's combos. Maybe it stops at some point, maybe it keeps going until somebody can't beat. But this, because you're playing cards into this these spaces on the river, you play until either you there's no space for you to play cards or you can't beat the combination. But it's interesting because I could lead the hand and play three eights. I could play three red eights. And so now I'm saying, okay, everybody else, eight is the bare minimum of card you can play for any combo. And nobody can play in this three red card slot anymore because I've blocked it. My cards are there. So you have to play something with an eight or higher in one of the available slots. So maybe, Taylor, you play a black nine on the single card slot. So now somebody else could play a pair of uh, black nines on, you know. So you have this whole thing where you're playing combinations to only to the available spots on the river. And then you also have to, like, make sure you're playing the... You can't go below the lowest card. The climbing. Uh, Yeah, the climbing card. So I thought that was, like, really, really neat. And I haven't seen climbing shedding kind of like done that way ever and then you also have this 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 hand exchange thing you could do so before yeah before you start each hand you know everybody takes a look at their cards and then we're gonna all vote you say one two three and the question is do you want to trade your hand of cards so if you on the count of one two three and you stick your thumb up you're saying you want to trade your hand of cards so let's say we're playing a four-player game. Uh, Taylor and I are the only ones that thumbs up. Everybody else said, no, I'm going to keep my hand. We get to take a wild card. So everybody starts the game with four wild cards, two black and two red, on the table. So we get to take one of those, put it in the hand, and then we pass, we swap hands. Yeah. And then we vote again. <laughs> Do you want to keep this hand, you know, or not keep this hand? Do you want to trade? Thumbs up or thumbs down. So there's this whole thing where you can exchange cards. And when you decide to make that exchange, you're adding a wild card to your hand, which is giving you some flexibility. But ultimately, again, you're trying to like get rid of your hand of cards the fastest. And yeah. um, if you're the one who plays the combination that no one can beat, the whole river will clear. And yeah. then you get to start again, which is making it easier for you to kind of get rid of your cards because you're yeah. getting to, to play more. So I kind of found this one to be on the medium light side. And I would say, be, you know, if this one has an English version at some point, mm-hmm. I think people can get into this if you played Scout. Yeah. Like, so you know, too. maybe it's, a, yeah, I think you could get into it if you played Scout, you know? Right. It seems like this, like the Scout and Pass in, in, in Scout, where you use mm-hmm. that token, that's yeah. almost like those wilds, right? Or like the trading. It's like, yeah, yeah. Is this the right time to pass my hand and, and get it back? I, I love in that game that if players tie, which is possibly often because the scoring isn't too different, right? You, right. You, you could, one, you know, two you or get three. One, yeah. two or three, right? You can get <laughs> first and then third and you get four points tied, right? Is the tiebreaker is, uh, the fewest amount of wilds. So it kind of a little bit incentivizes you to ah, like use those wilds. And to yeah. Trade. Yeah. And I think, did you ever have it to where someone was the only trader or trader? Oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> the only person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. It's happened multiple times. <laughs> it's happened multiple times. <laughs> exactly. But the only person to trade where they get to 
add as many wilds as they want into their hand. No, I haven't seen that. And that is a, like a fun twist on that because, yeah, if you're the only person with your thumb up, you get to add as many wild cards that you still have available um, into right. your hand, which is kind of spicy. It's like you don't want somebody to be able to do that, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> And what's wild is you only get a certain amount of wilds. Or what's wild? <laughs> that is wild. <laughs> that is wild. <laughs> is you only get a certain amount of hands, or sorry, wild wilds per the game. You don't actually replenish. So if you trade too much, you can't trade anymore. Oh, right. Right. Because yeah. those four cards are for the whole, the whole game. game. Yeah. That yeah. is right, sir. That is right. <laughs> yeah. Because I had someone a little trade happy. They're like, let's just keep going. Yeah. Um, and they a super trader. A super <laughs> <laughs> hidden trader. Open trader game. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they um they just were yeah, they're trading a bunch and then they realized, oh, when I get a bad hand, because they just hadn't, didn't have any wilds, they're like, I have to keep this. I was like, Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah that's brutal. It's such a it's a it that's why I could see it's a little medium because you you might put yourself in a hole, you know, players might be like, Oh, uh oh, you know. Uh oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I thought this was like really, um, really clever and inventive for a client. And I'm not like a big climbing shedder kind of gal. Sure. Like sure. there, that's not like I tend to prefer trick taking games. But right. this one, I was like, ooh, like I really yeah. like this. Like this might be the one. Yes. <laughs> not like a lot. I like a lot of climbing shedders. I'm not gonna lie. Um, yeah. I do like a lot of them, but I definitely lean more on the trick taking side. But this one kind of uh stuck out to me as like really special yeah it it's something to where so we've talked about trick taking and like must follow and things like that in trick taking there's must not follow meaning if i play a certain suit you can play any suit besides that one and in this one it's like kind of like must not meld like it's like yeah a different meld every time yeah it's interesting to think about it in in that kind of unique way the designer was actually someone who was super kind at Tokyo Game Market. They were like, hey, let's meet up and, and chat. And we had like lunch and we went and got ice cream one day. And oh, they, that's they so super cool. sweetheart. They uh, they had this very experimental trick-taking game that they gave me. They're like, play it. Might be really weird. And the premise was, you it's a word game. So you play a word okay. and your hands are words, but it's a trick-taking game. And when you follow suit... You don't know what you're following suit on. Like I led macaroni and someone plays monster truck and another person plays like reef blower. <laughs> and you have a debate at the table, like, well, what was more must follow with macaroni? Was it monster truck or wow. reef blower? Yeah. Wow. It's wild. It's wild. That sounds cool. That's yeah. very yeah. experimental. <laughs> yeah, super experimental. So I think this design, Sumita River, was his experimental kind of climbing shedding. And it look it it works. It works. Well. Works like great. Well. Yeah. Yeah. So that is Sumita River. Awesome. And I guess speaking of, my next game is Iados by the same designer. So it's by Mashikamaru. Oh. Yes. Nice. (laughs) Not planned. Not Not planned. planned. It was was wild how that happened. And publisher Mashika, who it's the same person. It's kind of like his design circle that we've talked about. Um, Cool. This one, I'd say, is more medium because the hook to it is once you get your hand, you can't move it kind of like Scout. You can't move your hand. But you get this card and you bid with it on how many tricks you think you're going to win. And you count the number of cards. So they say you think you're going to win four tricks. You put this card, four cards to the left of your hand. And what's crazy is hmm. to the left of that card is must follow and to the right is may follow. 
Whoa. So it's like this. There's a lot of other intricacies with it, but it's this it's this wild game where you're like bidding with your hand and stuff. And I'll just that's just the elevator pitch, but essentially <laughs> it was wonderful to play with a lot of people because at the retreat, there are people who love trick taking games, right? There are these these kind of not experts, but like people who love getting into the complex versions. And that game lends itself well to knowing how to how to bid because you're bidding and kind of creating what your hand is going to be at the same time, which was really, That's really cool. cool. Yeah, it was really, really fun. I had a, I had a great time playing it. Iadosu. Yeah, yeah. It's a wild one. <laughs> cool, cool. So the next game I'm going to talk about. <laughs> Taylor, are you ready to get extreme? Yes, this is when I was like, <laughs> wink, wink, because you're like, it's pretty extreme. I'm like, yeah, wink, wink, really wink, extreme, wink, 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 yeah. <laughs> I loved my one play of extreme tricks. Extreme. <laughs> extreme. <laughs> oh, extreme tricks. Uh, this is a 2023 release designed by uh, Matsado Usugi. Mm-hmm. And this is the same designer who designed Paper Tales and Welcome to the Dungeon, oh, which yeah. I played both of those. Yeah. Yeah. It- they have wonderful designs. They did um, Lunar and Ortrek the, from all. Play, oh, like, from... I didn't make that connection. Yeah. Wow, yeah. That's that's awesome. Definitely so design. many people who are into this genre of games uh, might know this designer. And another exciting thing about this game, uh, I played the Japanese version, which was published or which published by I Was Game. But in 2025, we're going <laughs> to see an English release from all play and it's going to be called sick tricks. So uh, that's really exciting. So if, if this game sounds exciting to you, you'll be able to get it in uh, or more easily. Maybe if you're in the U S find it uh, in 2025, yes. but which seems like forever away, but you know, these, these years just kind of blast by. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, but yeah, that's one, that's a big new scoop. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hot scoops, extreme scoops, you might extreme say, scoops, you will say. get on the BGG podcast. No. <laughs> um, so this is a three to four player trick-taking game, and um, it is skateboard themed. So if you see the the artwork for the extreme tricks, there's like a, I feel like a skateboard. Uh, let me see if I have a, I don't have a picture handy, but I feel like it was like a skateboard with flames or something. And uh, all play is going to keep the the skateboarding theme and called sick tricks. So basically, in the game, you are trying to bid on how many objectives you think you can take, which is kind of like different skateboard tricks you think you can land. And um, your goal is to have the most points at the end of the game. So you're trying really trying to like hit your bid. And I've heard I think the game is either three or four rounds, maybe four rounds. And, or it might vary by player count or something oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So each hand is 12 tricks. And uh, these 12 tricks are split into three stages. So stage one is tricks one through four. Stage two is tricks five through eight. And stage three is tricks nine through 12. Mm-hmm. And on the table, you're going to have three rows of cards that are relevant to each stage. And each row has four objective cards. Um, in the version I played, two are pink, two are blue. The mm. pink objectives are things that you can complete during the round while you're playing. And then the blue objectives are end of round objectives. So you evaluate them after you finish that stage. 
So after you get your hand of cards, everybody has this set of um, cubes of their color. You're going to figure out how many tricks you think, not how many tricks you're going to win, how many objectives you think you can complete. And the thing here is before the round starts, after you set aside a certain amount of cubes, you're going to take half of those cubes and you have to commit them to objectives. <laughs> so when you're making this decision, you're kind of thinking about like, hey, I know I can do this one and this one and this one. And I think maybe I can do two more. So yeah. I'll bid five cubes, you know, that I think that's safe. Yeah. And then I'll like, I'll place my initial half on these, which I'm like pretty confident I can nail. And these, these objectives are like, win a trick with a diamond or win a trick with a five or less and things like similar things that you would see in the crew. Yeah. This one's not cooperative though. We are independent <laughs> uh, rival skateboarders. Rival skateboarders, yeah. <laughs> uh, so like, so after everybody, you know, does this, you like say I set aside six cubes and then we go around the table in turn order and you place half of those cubes onto objectives and they sit at the top of the card. And if you don't meet the objectives of the ones that you place at the start of the hand, they're going to be negative one point each. Right. In this game, every time you make an objective, it's worth one. Well, no, I'm not going to say that. That's not true. Yeah. That's not true. I'm lying. But anyway, the point is the ones that you said at the beginning, you know, usually you're pretty confident about. So um, you mostly will score those. But then the the half of cubes that are left in your little stash, we'll call it your reserve, that's when it gets tricky because you're going to start playing your cards. And the minute you meet one of your like mid-stage objectives that you already had a cube on, you just slide that cube down. It's positive points, baby. Positive Ooh. points. But the minute you complete an objective that you don't have a cube on, you're going to have to take a cube from your reserve yeah. and put it on there. Yeah. It's still, Hey, it's still positive points, baby. <laughs> but then <laughs> when, when you run out of cubes and you still keep hitting objectives, yeah. now it's <laughs> negative two points, baby. <laughs> I love so, it. It's baby. It's like, <laughs> And then, and then at the end, so let's say like we just played our first four tricks. Now we check to see about those end of stage objectives. Mm -hmm. And again, if you already had a cube on it and you did it, you just slide your cube down. And if you didn't have a cube on it and you did it, now you're pulling a cube from your reserve if you have one. When you don't have any more cubes in your reserve, you take them from your like main supply and those cubes go on the negative two point box of the yeah. objective. And likewise, if you still have cubes in your reserve at the end of the round, mm -hmm. they are negative points. So you are really trying to make sure whatever bid, <laughs> whatever amount of tricks you think you're going to land with your little skateboard, yeah. you want to make sure you land them. <laughs> and, you know, s some of the things are like in stage three, it'll be like play a club. Well, maybe somebody early in the round leads clubs and bleeds you of those cards and you don't have any. Right. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's so it's, so it's kind of uh risky. And mm. the the other neat thing I'll say about this game before I want to hear your thoughts on it too, yeah. Taylor. But uh the other neat thing is so after you finish that one hand of cards, after you play those 12 tricks, the objective cards change. 
So now you wipe the board and you put out different objective cards. And uh, there's a way in this this version where each of the objective cards are numbered. So the lower number, you, you place them out in like ascending order. So the lower number ones will be in stage one up to the higher number ones, which will be in stage two. And there are always two of each type. But yeah, this game was awesome. Like I, I love trying to predict how many objectives I can hit based on my cards, but I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I don't know what Taylor's going to do, you know? <laughs> yes. Oh, totally. I think what it does so well and, and what you just said with the setup is making sure there's like a crafted experience, but it's always still random, right? Yeah. And you get all these kind of new setups. I, I personally love the theme of like you are bidding on half of them and yeah. you'll unexpectedly or you're, you're committing to half of them, sorry. And you'll unexpectedly do ones that you didn't expect. That kind of happens every game. <laughs> yes. And I love thematically, like, you're about to do a trick, and you're like, I'm going to do a kickflip. And then you're like, oh, I did, like, a Madonna. Is that what yeah. I want? Like, yeah. <laughs> or just, like, wiped out or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, right? And you're like, oh, I guess the crowd is kind of impressed. Like, you're hitting your bid with something you didn't expect. I love that. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the the flow of it is something... I think about a lot uh, on the on the flight home and and, and ever since I played, it becomes th- there's things people different people love about trick taking what they look for in trick taking and something I think the person who organized a retreat loves about it is where every trick is interesting and yeah. it's it's so true like I love trick taking games where you can just kind of sit back and you know not every trick is interesting and you have that leniency to have kind of a more relaxing time a more casual hangout but in extreme tricks because they are extreme, <laughs> extreme it's not casual tricks yeah no it's, no <laughs> to the point where you're like oh no i'm in the stage i can't play a three or lower because then i yeah. accidentally just did a kickflip and i don't want to do a kickflip right <laughs> yeah it's so funny to me yeah I yeah love it. yeah you were like engaged the entire hand like yeah. from the yeah. start we're all simultaneously thinking about this decision of how many cubes we want to set aside and then usually at that point, you know which ones you want to commit, but then maybe seeing what other people commit, like as it goes around, you might be like, oh, maybe not if this person's committing to something in stage three, you know? Right. Like winning four tricks. Like, oh, yeah. they have a better hand than I do. And I think the beauty of it is every trick has an arc. Yeah. And then every stage has an arc, which is every one third of the hand. And then the whole hand has an arc. Yeah. It's so yeah. interesting. It's, it's super. Like layers. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really fun to like mess with people or set people where you're like, oh, you think you're going to be able to win with a club? I'm just going to like, in a certain stage, <laughs> yeah. on an early stage, I'm just going to lead all the clubs, you know? Like, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I see what you're trying to do. It's really fun. Now, it, it, Taylor, I have an important question. Yes. Would you consider this game extreme? <laughs> I would. <laughs> I would. Definitely. If... if it, it, <laughs> I, I can't think of an extremer game, really. That's, that's, that's a good skill. Oh. Yeah, this I I, I really I'm, and I'm gonna say I do have a little bias because I won my first game, so I'm oh. currently undefeated at extreme tricks. But I just I really really loved it. Like I love games where you have these objectives, and the way it's done here is just like really really cool. And I cannot wait to. I hope I hope I can get a copy of Extreme Tricks at some point, but. 
if not, I'm stoked for sick tricks. Uh-huh. Yeah, sick tricks. it's going to be sick. It's going to be sick. Yes. And you can say that you're the most extreme trick taker at the table. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that is extreme tricks. Oh, what is the so last cool. game for you, Taylor? Oh, my last one. Well, I was thinking about complexity, right? Like trying to form this lineup of games around the theme of, of complexity. And I actually, I went on BGG and I searched both trick-taking games and climbing training games ranked on complexity. And it seems like the heaviest one in trick-taking was bridge. And the ah. heaviest one in climbing shedding, which is the game I'm picking, is Tichu. So <gasps> nice. Tichu has been around since 1991. And it's designed by Urs Holstetler and published by so many people at this point. Like on BGG, you go to the publisher and it says 15, you know, it's just like a name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been around. That classic thing on BGG where you're like, hmm. Yeah, like, like <laughs> this, this, there's so many different editions. In fact, the one of the cool things at the retreat was someone had a Japanese version of Tichu. And it was really cool to see how it was was made and have different ones. And I know there's people who have Tichu decks like custom decks and uh, from amazon and but so uh the the hook to teach you it's a climbing shedding game where it's partnership and i think my last kind of level of complexity is do you have a partner or not changes so much like i just mentioned (laughs) bridge and teach you being the the most the the most most extreme yeah the most extreme (laughs) yes the most extreme and complex games uh in their category for bgg like bgg raiders will will say that and they both are partnerships right where you're trying to intuit what your partner wants from you what your partner wants to do trying to signal to them like it's interesting to have a game have it be complex and then add oh also you're on a team you can't really communicate with another Mm. person it adds just another layer you know to this this (laughs) this onion of complexity (laughs) so it's a team game you are trying to go out uh with your teammate, the best thing you can do is both you and your teammate go out before the other two players do. And then there's some points on cards. There's some bombs, which, you know, are wild combos. There's so many different layers to the game. But what was wonderful was I was in a teach you tournament at that <laughs> retreat. And it's just great to have, again, another level of complexity is playing the same players and playing players who know the game super, super, super well. Mm. Again, because when they play super, super well and they're at this caliber, it's it's another level of, That's okay, so well, cool. I know this player is an aggressive player. I'm going to pass a worse card to them and a better card to the other player who might not try to, you know, beat mm. you. It was so much fun. Just to do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, I would say easily one of the heaviest climbers up there with, you know, haggis and, and, and stuff. Just an absolute joy. So yeah, that was, that's my last game. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool. So I, um, like back, like right when I was like starting to kind of work part-time and write in BGG news, oh, yeah. I, um, the timing worked out really well where I got to go to a little BGG retreat and some people in the BGG team, I don't remember exactly who, but taught me teach you for the oh. first time. And I loved it. And I yeah. bought the app. I got yes. my own deck and, and that I never played it again. And that no. was 2020. <laughs> no. So I, I need to get back to this one. I, I do have a, a, a few friends in LA that like love teach you. Yeah. Is and it like a um, game for them. Like I know. Yeah. 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 So I, I might do that, but also 
The last game I'm going to talk about, though, might pull me in even a little bit more. (laughs) Ooh, okay. Yeah, so I played a game called La Batard, which uh, I believe translates to The Bastard. (laughs) And this is a French trick-taking game, which was gifted to me, a listener of the pod, friend of mine who reached out to me sometime last year after I did a trick-taking related episode with Jonathan Cox from John Gets Games. Roman from uh, France reached out and said, "Uh, if you love trick-taking games, like I would love to meet up with you in Essen if you're going to Essen because I want to show you some games. (laughs) And I was like, that sounds awesome. So we exchanged a couple messages and then we actually did get to meet up in Essen and... Roman kindly handed me a copy of La Batard. And I have like since that that moment, I've been wanting to play it. So first I had to get the English rules um, because it's a French game. And then he also recommended playing it with like a higher player count, like five or more. So I I tried to take it a couple places. Like I remember I brought it with me, I think, to PAX Unplugged. But I, I, I wasn't finding myself in situations where I could get it played. I was also a little intimidated because I read the rules, but like there were some things I'm like, ooh, we got to like sit down and like kind of play this to figure it out a little bit. But uh, I'm jumping ahead. This is a game from 2004. (laughs) It's designed by Jules Marconier. Marconier. And it's listed as self published on BGG, but it is on the labatar.com website uh, distributed by Wilson Zhu. And it plays with three to eight players. Again, it's a French trick-taking game. And it's one of these games where you want to hit your bid as often as possible. So there are never positive points awarded. Oh, I guess zero, if you consider zero positive. (laughs) But what happens is you lose one point per trick that you're off. So if you bid, I'm going to win three tricks, and you win five, you're off two, so you lose two points. Mm. Um, Of course, there's a way that can be doubled. And quadrupled. So maybe this is pretty extreme. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) But uh, after you get your hands of cards, you're going to bid on how many tricks you think you're going to take. But this is also how we're going to decide on what the Trump suit is for the round or Trump suits, potentially. And there's another little twist in the game where when you do play with five or more players, you play with two decks. Mm. So you play with two matching decks And one deck has the rank of the card underlined. So we were playing, so I played two six-player games, so we were using both decks. Mm -hmm. And initially, we we got it wrong, where I told everybody the underlined version of the card, like if I play a a king of spades, um, but it would be an R, a Roy, I guess, in French. Uh, If I play the R of spade, underline and someone else throws an R of spade, the simple version without the underline, the the underline is always stronger. That's wrong because you kind of determine that you figure that out during the bidding process of how many tricks you're going to win and when Trump, when Trump is going to be set. So this so far is probably sounding like the like dream theater or Mars Volta of trick taking games. (laughs) (laughs) And if that's how it sounds, you're you're right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's not that crazy, but I think it was a little harder for us because, like, because the cards. So let me tell you about the cards. Um, the cards in the game, you don't have any cards with numbers. So here's another uh, bit of complexity. You have a cat, which is the weakest card, 
then a dog, which is the next weakest. And then you have groupings. You have a set of like carnival cards. So you have a juggler, a musician, and then the fool. And then you have the royalty cards, which are similar to Jack, Queen, King, but the French version. So you have the the V, the valet, the cavalier, the dame, and the Roy. And the Roy is equal to the king in English cards. So that's the order. But for the Trump suit only, the carnival suits are stronger than those royalty suits. So you kind of have to remember, you flip them around. Thankfully, Mm. the graphic design on the cards is really good. And they have these little pips. So the the regular royalty suits have like full colored, like solid colored pips. And then the carnival cards have hollow pips. So, you know, if, if hearts are Trump, I'm going to know that my hollow pip cards are stronger than my full uh, solid <laughs> pips. But yeah. like these are all things that are adding like complexity. Again, there are no numbers on any of these cards. So that's like one of the, the hardest things getting started. Yeah. But then let's talk about the bidding some more. So after you get your hand of cards. Oh, the other thing. <laughs> the other thing that's wild about this. And we played the full game. Technically, oh. you can play like, you know, as many hands as you want. Till you know, we play all oh, four times around, but we went extreme with this one <laughs> and we played the full game. Which, in a six player game, oh, no. the first hand you deal seven, second hand you deal eight, <sighs> nine, up to 12, and then you go back 12 to seven. So, we played 12 hands of cards. I think the first game we skipped the second 12 and we just started going back down oh. with, with 11. But so and it and it took us like two hours, but it was like so fun. Like there's so many moments in this game where you're just like, oh snap! So let me let me keep going a little bit here. (laughs) So after you get your hand of cards, we're gonna like let's say I'm first to bid this round. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna say how many tricks I think I'm gonna win, which suit I think I want to be Trump, and then also. If I want the underlying cards or the simple version to be stronger. So I'm mm-hmm. setting three things and you can bid on no trumps at all. Like no, no suits are Trump. And you can also bid on all suits are Trump. Then it comes to you, Taylor, you're next. You could say, oh, okay, let's say I said hearts, you know, you yeah. could say, yeah, I'm cool with hearts. And you'll just say like, okay, I'll just bid. I'm not going to win any tricks. So you can just take, and they have these like chips in the game um, that you'll indicate how many tricks you think you're going to win. So maybe you say no, and you're cool with hearts being Trump, but then it comes around to, let's say, Tony the Tiger. And Tony the (laughs) Tiger says, "Uh uh-uh, I want diamonds to be Trump. So then Tony needs to bid more tricks than I did to now change the Trump suit, and that can be done. And- Anybody at any point that didn't make the current like bidded Trump can knock on the table and say, I eschew and lock in the Trump. And then we all kind of have to follow that and we make our our bid on tricks. And similar to something we were talking about earlier, the amount of cards you have in your hand, we cannot have bids equal to that. So if we're playing a seven card hand. And mind you, when you're playing a seven-card hand in a six-player game, there are a lot of cards out of play, which is, like, even harder to kind of, like, accurately predict your bid and everything. Yeah. Um, okay, so, like, so the bidding is wild, you can see. 
Yes. And then before the trick starts, the player who, again, declared what the Trump is can now say that they want to quadruple it. Oh, I did not mention when you stop the bid and say I issue and knock on the table, that is doubling the negative points you'll get for the round for missing your bid. So then somebody, one person who uh, set the Trump can, and I think that's right, um, can then quadruple it, wow. choose to quadruple it. So the bidding is just wild and yeah. so interesting. It's like a whole separate game, just that like yes. round of bidding for this game, which was like really awesome, especially the more you understood how the game works. Yeah. And then when you play the game, it's just a standard trick-taking game, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, not really. It's must follow, must trump, and must trump higher. So oh, sure. if you have Trump, you have to play a higher Trump than anybody who played a Trump before you. Yes. Um, and if not, you still need to play Trump if you have it. And then otherwise, it's just kind of a slough is what they call it, right? Where you right, just, yeah. You, yeah, the card is just going to not be considered towards mm -hmm. winning. So you have all of this going on. And then don't forget, I said any Trump suit. Any Trump suit is reversed, meaning the carnival characters. At that point, the fool is the strongest card. Right. And it, it this game is so <laughs> cool. Like, it is crazy. It is just, like, not for people who just want those, like, simple little games. But I can totally see this being a game where you play every Friday night. Like, you know, there's yeah. some people who play poker every week. Like, you could play this every week. Like, the... Three of the people in my first game of six, um, including myself, we all were like, we wanted to play it the next day. We're like, La Batard, La Batard. Yes. And then the next the next day we played, we ended up taking a, a break halfway because we started like just before people were going to dinner and stuff. Oh, yeah. And so people would walk by when we came back and we're playing the second half. They're just like, you guys are still playing this game? <laughs> and we're just like, yeah, we are. And we're just loving it. Um <laughs> So we had like a couple of funny quotes in the game too. Like, yeah. it, you know, because we have this whole underline situation. It's like that can bite you in the butt if you forget that like either the underline cards are stronger or they're weaker this round. Yes. So that's something you're thinking about. And then another quote was a pet hand. So if you have a bunch of the cats and dogs, because they usually <laughs> don't win, that's super fun. But then it's even more fun when somebody does accidentally win with a dog and they're yes. just like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to win. So, I, you know, you predict your bids thinking like there's no way this dog is going to like win a trick. Right. And then all of a sudden those like must Trump must beat or whatever rules kick in and you win with a dog. It yeah. is just like wild and crazy. Um so this game, I like, I, I really, 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 really dig it. I know like one person uh, already, like I told them to check Filibert and they found copies. So they bought oh, a couple nice. copies. So oh. uh, you can get it in Filibert on Filibert.net, which is cool. But I am really excited to like start introducing this to more people. So uh, uh, I was hoping to get to play it with you, but like yeah. well, next time, next, next time. time. Or if, you know. Next con, you know. Next con. Yeah. That is exactly what I mean because we're going to see each other more this year, yeah. which I'm excited about. And yeah. You need five people or six people. Like a con is like, yes. Time to do it. Yeah. And it sounds like a con game. Like you're having crazy moments. And like, yeah. Is it one of those games where like the inside jokes just start, like, they'll start. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Cause some of them, like, some of them carried over from day to day. Yes. And, um, yeah. 
The other thing was that was like kind of interesting, which I'm going to keep my eye on, is both games, the person who was keeping score, which was, was different each game, won the game. I'm like, oh, what kind of no. sus stuff is yeah, that? What's you know? There? Yeah, what are we talking about here? <laughs> and then I was kind of joking because like both days, um, I don't know if I came in dead last, but I, de- I definitely did not win and I ended up with negative 22 points. <laughs> but in both games. So I'm like, technically, doesn't oh. that mean I won? Because I like hit my bid from you the first game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You got exactly negative 22. I got exactly negative 22 both games. The first game, like I said, we only played 11 hands accidentally. And then the second game, we played the full 12. And I ended up at negative 22. So that is the score to beat for me. Uh, But yeah, this game was just like super fantastic. And I'm like very appreciative, Roman, for like you giving me this gift and introducing it to me. And if it starts spreading uh, in the U.S., all of a sudden, it's probably from <laughs> this past <Yes>. weekend. <laughs> it's going to be on the hotness. Yeah. The, the batard. <laughs> Wait, so yeah. who's the, the batard? Who, who, is it the winner of the game? Or the person That's a good question. It? I'm just going to say it wasn't me. <laughs> okay. okay, okay. There's, um, there's, a, there's like a Russian game called Durak where it's like, that means fool. And it's oh. the person who lost. So I was like, oh, is like batard like what you don't want is it like what? i think it's kind of like every time somebody was off and i'm not gonna lie there were so many moments where i would well not me just but like other people would either on that very last card of the round mm-hmm. would either hit their bid or miss their bid by one yes. and those moments were just like so exciting yes. well mostly when you were the one hitting your bid but yeah. <laughs> and yeah, not right. missing your bid yeah, it sounds like there's so much like schadenfreude. Like you're just watching other people just be yes. like, oh, are you kidding yes. me? Yes, and imagine quadrupling. Yes. Quadrupling, right. and yes. if you miss your bid by two, you lose eight points. <laughs> that is extreme. That, yeah, we've hit it. That is extreme. And I will say an un, like an unexpected complexity level is the French R. And remembering that means king and like you yeah. are playing a French game. That always trips but, me up too. Yeah. But like I said, the graphic designer – of this game nailed it because they put these pips and the minute we understood the pips it was like okay right. this is this is what's going on mm-hmm. so i'll sort my cards in my hand this way but of course like it'll still bite you in the butt because like there was one moment i had the like the r underline and then i forgot it wasn't the trump suit so i'm like i yeah. got the strongest card like i know i can win at least one trick but no it wasn't the trump suit so it backfired. It backfired. I love that. It sounds like, again, like this lifestyle game. Like you could imagine there's places that, that play Levitard weekly. and Yeah. I'm like, like if we had another day, we would have played it again. <laughs> yes, we would have played exactly. it again. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's like oh, the beauty of, of trick ting. So I, I, you showed me and I was like, oh, I never, you know, I never heard of that game. Yeah. Um, and like, I couldn't imagine a genre like if you're super into a genre and like not like deck building you're like someone's like oh here's dominion you're like oh i never heard of yeah. that and i have like a dominion channel or a deck building channel where it's like yeah i like, oh, never heard of dominion but like that was one of the nice things to hear because i think i walked by you guys playing it and it was like always laughing always having fun it's like a lively game it sounds like so i love that yeah. gem that came out what yeah a, what a great and surprise. there's yeah and there's just something nice about like 
No, and nobody realized, like, if you told somebody, oh, do you want to sit down and play a two-hour trick-taking game? Most yes. people would probably run away, but, like, we just all enjoyed each other's companies for both of those games, and we just had a blast. Like, I don't oh. even know, I don't even know how, like, what exactly it was, but it was just fun, and we all enjoyed it like those moments of seeing someone get screwed those moments yes, of yes. you just making your bid is like so <laughs> satisfying yeah I, I i'm a big fan of this game oh. and i'm like definitely gonna like be playing it more regularly now that i know how it works and i hope anyone out there who's listening roman looking at you uh <laughs> if i got any rules wrong please let me know <laughs> yeah, totally. but like we i think i think we got it right i think we got it right um but yeah it was it was fantastic so that is la batard and i wanted to end on a note of like one of the extremes of games that i played recently <laughs> and th this one is definitely like complex but you can figure it out especially if you play with the same group and make it a regular thing like it's it's a really really enjoyable game oh i love that yeah yeah well taylor i've been wanting to have you on this podcast for for a long time so i'm really glad like we we finally did it and we did it after a such a joyful weekend of playing a bunch of card games together you know yeah it seemed it seemed so wonderful to segue from that to this podcast and yeah. it's just on my mind you know my head's swimming in cards and suits and you know like when you play a game like rock band or something a lot and you start seeing uh -huh. like things moving <laughs> at you or yeah. like, like tetris like you dream as the shapes so i'm like closing my eyes and i'm seeing suits and stuff so i'm in this mindset <laughs> I, I feel bad I noticed we have talked for a while, but it's so much Oh, fun. yeah, I know, I know. It's, it, it happens. I'm a chatty person, and usually, <laughs> like, I'm always chatting with people who are also excited about games, so yeah. we we go on. So, yeah, so I we'll, we'll be done for now, but, like, not forever. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So thank you so uh, much for having me. I could, uh, could uh, wax poetic on, on this, and especially complexity on this. Like, I think that's such an interesting interesting topic yeah. a great, uh, it's cool to think should, uh, about yes 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 exactly it's so much fun thank you you've been listening to the board game geek podcast produced and edited by candace harris special thanks to matt fonda for editing and mixing our music be sure to visit us on the web at boardgamegeek.com you can also find us on youtube twitter blue sky instagram facebook tiktok and twitch under board game geek you can reach us by email at podcast at boardgamegeek.com Thanks for listening and happy gaming!